Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we're talking about The Professional from 1994, directed by Luc Besson. All right, Matthew, we're back, and I do not want to bury the lead this week. I don't Mm -hmm. want to. I think it's very important. Coming out of the gate, very strong. I think we should go right into Luc Besson. Uh, (laughs) I know that you were doing some research, asking me if I did any, and I didn't. And I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say. I did read one article. Uh, And and we got to talk about, I, I, I don't want to bury the lead on this because I think it is important. Because I think the crux of this entire picture is the relationship between Matilda and Leon. Definitely. And I think that relationship is weird. Definitely. And I want to talk about it. And I know that Matthew Lewis, the person who bounty this movie, um, thinks that it's short-sighted to focus on this. In fact, his comment says, there's much meat on the bone in this movie. And... um, he does say, he says it over here somewhere. She stands for blah, 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 blah. Matilda's a childhood chaos. She grabs lifelong unique pairings. Becomes, Leon, Leon becomes everything to Matilda, a mentor, a father, a savior, and a friend. It's almost as she would start having feelings for him. Um, Leon's innocent in this and the way he acts. Um, and he says, as uncomfortable as some scenes are, it is short-sighted to fixate on that as the defining aspect of the story. Mm. which is an interesting way to look at it um, because I was thinking about that as I was watching it because there is a lot going on in the story for sure. But I do think it's something that should be discussed. I agree. I agree. And I think Matthew's got a, a, a good perspective on that as well. Um, sure. But yeah, uh, and to, for me, this is like brand new news. I didn't know shit about this. I've seen this movie plenty of times. I'm going to go ahead and just blow my load. I fucking oh, love this movie. All right, but before we get to that, before we get know. to Luc Besson, can you can you tell me about? Is it possible that for you to be able to discuss the Leon relationship with Matilda without without referring back to Luc Besson? Because I don't know anything about it, so my opinion of it is as pure as it is in watching the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean I, I think. I'll say this. I think it deserves to be brought up and talked about because for me, it was totally new. I was just reading. I wasn't even looking for anything about that. Um, I was just reading background stuff about the movie and kind of stumbled across it and was like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Um, and yeah, it definitely made me see the movie a little differently sure. uh, at first. But there is, and I think this actually gets into a very interesting, this can lead us to a really interesting conversation about the specificity of art in film versus like uh you know if you find out and this is this is like a little you know further than than the reality um but if you found out like your favorite author you had all these books and they were they were about uh serial killers and they were great mysterious you know mystery books and they were thrillers excellent author and then you found out no turns out in real life he's been discovered to be an actual serial killer you would be like Ugh, i'm not i don't know if i want to read these books you're like fuck this might be more real than you imagine. And also, it's a book. Sounds like you'd be a fucking subject matter expert. Sign me up. (laughs) 
<laughs> right for fucking FBI profiler, yeah, do your homework. Um, <laughs> but no, like it would, it would definitely have that feeling of like, oh, that's that feels a little bit morally compromised. And especially if it's an author and it's a book, it is one hundred percent them and their vision. Same goes for like, you know, a painter or any other kind of artist, where it's like this is whatever they produce is singularly them. Um, and the reason I can still, I think there are some people out there who, knowing what they know about Luke Besson now, are like, oh, I don't think I can watch The Professional. I don't think we should watch that movie. And I would disagree with them because filmmaking is a collaborative art. Um, and I think it is Jean Reno and Natalie Portman who make this relationship work and make it not something shitty. Uh, and, you know, the, the whole backstory about this, uh, that was, like I said, a, a new let, surprise let me, to me. Let me jump in. I'm going to pause you right there, and I'm just going to give people a primer. If you haven't seen The Professional in a while, it is, it's a 12-year-old girl who starts to develop feelings that go beyond fatherly, I guess you would say, with this really awkward and weird hitman. And um, her sort of, at times, essentially in the way she knows how, based on her shitty upbringing, throwing herself at him. Right. Um, and then it is the movie's decision to go ahead and get into that aspect of this character and stuff like that. So that's, if, if, you, if it's been a while, because, you know, I hadn't seen this in a long-ass time, man. I was a lot younger when I saw it, but it's much different watching it now and watching that particular relationship. So continue, right. you were going to say, with Luke Besson. Besson. Right. Well, so the, the interesting thing about this uh, whole movie and the writing of it, Luc Besson wrote the script for uh, The Professional in between La Femme Nikita and The Fifth Element. Uh, he was already working on The Fifth Element when they were making this movie, The Professional, uh, and it got kind of delayed because of Bruce Willis's schedule, and that's obviously a much bigger budgeted movie. The pre-production lasts a lot longer, and things were getting delayed, and he was like, I have all this kind of creative momentum and energy, and I already have the crew, like the actual working production crew put together for this fuck it, I'll just make another smaller movie in the meantime. Um, so they, he just pumped out the script for The Professional in a month, and they, you know, I don't know how long the whole pre-production was, but the filming of the movie and everything really only took about, I think, maybe a month and a half, two months, and it was just done. They just, like, banged this movie out, and it became a massive success, uh, and it's a pretty well-regarded movie in a lot of ways. But what was interesting about this at the time, so Luke Bazan had already divorced his first wife, and they had a daughter together, but he met this actress named Maiwen Lebesco, and they started dating when he was 31 and she was 15. Um, and they did get married. They got married a year later when she was 16 and pregnant with their daughter. Uh, and he eventually left her for Mila Jovovich after meeting her on The Fifth Element. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the odd, the odd situation there is that, yeah, he met her when she was like 13, started dating her by the time she was 15. And she was pregnant and married to him by the time she was 16. Technically all legal in France. <laughs> the, the age of consent is like, I think, 14 or 15 in consent uh, in France. So it's not illegal, but I think pretty much any level-headed adult would look at that and go, at least, ugh, that's kind of, I don't know about that. That's really not great. Um, and yeah, there's obviously a lot of controversy around that. And he was dating her at the time when he started writing this script. And she's even, you know, on record in interviews, been like, yeah, it's our story. That's us. Like, she's straight up said that, that she, that is what inspired him. So there is this kind of weird simmering, like, is this kind of a, a pedophilic thing going on under here, written sure. by somebody who married a very young person? Um, and I would agree, like, yeah, that's that makes me feel weird about it. It makes me feel weird about it. And I, and I love this movie. This is a movie, I when I first saw it, probably the age of uh, 14, 15, 
I became obsessed with this movie. This is around the same time as I watched Ghost Dog, the original, and this, wow, it's going to sound so out there, but the original Thomas Jane, The Punisher, which is not a great movie. But I was obsessed with these three movies, The Professional, The Punisher, Ghost Dog. I was watching these like hitman movies. And I, I mean, I've seen this movie, God, probably 20 times. Uh, it's been a long time since I've gone back and revisited it, and definitely the first time since learning this information. Um, but like I said, I think what really saves this movie are the choices by Jean Reno himself, and we'll, we'll kind of get into that. He talks about the way he chose to play this character in order to make him not that person, not the, not some fucking creepy pedophile. Like, he's not. Um, and he, for one, I mean, it's, it's an obvious fact. He never consummates anything with her. He never so much as kisses her. Uh, nothing happens between them, and it's very much her feelings that she keeps kind of expressing toward him, and he's very uncomfortable about it. Um, but I think their relationship is actually really interesting. And I think in, in the large part, it goes to their performances, their choices in their performance for these characters that really flesh out the characters kind of beyond just the words on paper in the script. Um, and I think, for one, this is Natalie Portman's first movie ever, uh, and there's a damn good reason why she survived being a child actor and went on to being a f- fucking A-list star. She's fantastic. She's incredible in this. I think it is kind of maybe maybe still the gold standard for like a child performance in a movie. I mean, she's the lead uh, and she's excellent. And I think Jean Reno is excellent. And Gary Oldman, no fucking kidding me, obviously excellent. Um, this is a movie about the characters. And I think because of that, it rests very much on the actors portraying them. And they're what make this story good, I think, at the end of the day. So that's, that's pretty much my feelings on it. Obviously, we can kind of get into it and expand on it. Dude, As we go, I didn't get any of your feelings on it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? All you did I is am. tell me, Luke. I mean, I got your feelings on the on the picture, but not on the let's not bury the lead. But I think you just buried it. In, did I, did in safe I? in safety. Well, we didn't really talk about it. Like what you you just kind of you you talked about him and you talked about you know. Well, I'm trying to. I'm like, what do you? How does it make you feel? The movie or the the fact about Luc Besson? Yeah, that no, the movie, the relationship, the way he chose to write her towards him is it? Is it? I know you mentioned it's. I mean, you said a lot of things, and maybe I'm just losing sight of those things because of the many things you said. But um, you know, like that piece of it, the yeah. <laughs> the relationship between those two. <laughs> I mean, well, I have his my decision whole interpret- to write the character that way. Right. Um, well, that's the, it's uh, not her decision to play it that way. We should make that clear. She's twelve. She doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. She's a good actress for sure, yeah. and I agree. I, I do want to. I do want to say because I, I don't want to make this sound like I'm being combative. Because I agree. This is all about the characters. Um, I could not wait when I saw this movie when I was younger. I couldn't wait for Gary Oldman to come on the screen every time. And I found the relationship between them two way less interesting when I was a kid. But interesting, yeah. In, in in Gary Oldman, for a long time, was somebody I would consider one of my top favorite actors. And yeah. I'll tell oh, yeah. you, watching it this time around, I thought he maybe was overdoing it a little. Oh, and I oh, know that he is a bombastic guy, and I know he tends to really push and some would say overact at times. And um, there's great moments, though. There's really awesome moments by him, but I was like, oh, I like it. I like it less than I originally thought I would. Yeah. Than I than I originally did. Um, but Jean Renault is amazing and, and and Natalie Portman's fucking amazing. Danny Aiello's great. I yeah. love his role in this movie. Um but yeah, I've always 
what, what, so what I'm doing while I'm sitting here thinking now, I, I read a little bit about what Natalie Portman thinks about this movie now. Mm, I haven't read anything about that. Um, she said she's not sure if she'd want her kids to watch it. Um, <laughs> because she's not sure how she would talk about it. I guess I'm putting words in her mouth, but that's what I was extrapolating from some interviews I was reading. Um, she yeah. makes it very, and I think this is very, very, we should make this very clear right now at 11, 11 PM Eastern standard time, August 8th of the, as of the recording of this, of course, you guys are not listening to it on the 8th. You're listening to it on the 12th. <laughs> so happy Monday fuckers. But, um, <laughs> she said her movie experience was nothing but pleasant. Yeah. There was no weird shit. Luke Besson was not reported to behave strange towards her. Obviously, Jean Renault wasn't. None of the other actors on set were. She said it was a, it was actually a very good experience. Yeah, it also sounds like she had very proactive, involved parents uh, in in the production and on set with her all the time too. Which I'm like, good. That's Hollywood needs more of that. Yeah, for sure. Right. Um, she did say that she she had weird people like and sent her letters about rape fantasies with Matilda and shit, which really mm-hmm. fucked her up for a while. But that's kind of just, that's the, the world. Of, yeah. Now, I don't know if that means she read them at that age. I hope not. Jesus. Which is really fucking horrible to think about. Um, so I don't, I don't really know. But um, I, I, what the question I would love posed to her is, would you let your 12-year-old daughter be in this picture? You mm-hmm. know, that's something I would love for her to answer. I, I think that she's said it very clear. She, what she has been on record as of saying is that she's not sure the professional gets made today like this. Right. 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 And, and in all honesty, like part of it, part of even the controversial aspects of it, of this underage kid kind of having romantic feelings towards this man, I think in an interesting way, it does add to the script, add to the story, because I think my interpretation of it essentially, and this is, I mean, you could say I was burying the lead on this, but I also just kind of trying to save it for discussion. But my interpretation of their relationship, which is part of why like, I'm not bothered by the backstory of this movie uh, as much at this point, is that this is a girl who came from a horrible home life situation, lost it in a horrible way, and she's essentially confusing the first time that anyone, especially a man, but anyone, has shown any kindness or tenderness toward her, she starts to interpret that as romantic love. Because that she's never had a like real parental fondness or love, at least from what we're presented in the movie. Her family treats her like dog shit. Um, and I think she's a kid who watches a lot of TV, watches a lot of movies, she talks to her other girlfriends, and she's idolizing romantic love as like the only real love or passionate love in the world. Um, and I think that's what she, like, she's, she's fucking 12, man. She's getting her feelings mixed up. She doesn't know. Um, and I think that's what we see, uh, you know, Leon struggle with throughout the movie is him not understanding how to guide that and be like, no, like I, that's not how you should feel about me. You know, he doesn't really know how to even really say that. Um, right. Cause I, I agree. And, I agree with that assessment. Right, right, and I, and I think it's she. By the end of the movie, she realizes that, and I don't think it has to be this much of a you know a button on it. But I think she realizes that it's just it's love. You you loved someone, you cared about someone very intensely, and and that's good. It doesn't need to be you know something romantic or sexual. Like it, you cared about someone, you made a connection with another human being in the world, and that's what matters. Right, right. I, I agree with your assessment of what the character is going through. Do you think the movie is better with it in it or with it or, or if they made it more, made those overtures more sort of innocent and dippy? 
like the, her like expressing feelings toward him. Right. Like in other words, if she would have, if, if you, if you massage the story a little and have it to where she is maybe seeing him more like a father figure and attaching to him as, as a daughter in that way versus the confused budding adolescent way. Um, do you think the story is still as good? Do you know what I'm saying? In other words, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, is it, is, is the romantic piece of this crucial to the, uh, crucial to your enjoyment of the picture? And, and I'm, I'm not trying to say that to set you up, but is it, is it, do you think that we're talking hypotheticals here, but Hey, it's a fucking podcast. Welcome to LSU media. <laughs> but do you know what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at yeah. is, do you think the movie would have the same enjoyment for you if they sort of substituted out some of that for more fatherly type of uh, adoration? Do you think the movie would suffer if, if, if Luke Besson decided to make that a little bit different? Hmm. That's a good question. That's, it's a hard question. Um, it is, it's hard. It's really hard. And maybe that's something we can think about as we go through. But like, right. One of the things I wrote down is I just wrote why, Mm, yeah. Right. Because what you're not doing with the professionals, you're not writing this for 12 year old girls to go, Oh, I get it. That's not this movie's place. Right. No. Like, like if Matt has a 12 year old daughter, you're not going to say, Oh, watch the professional. So you can wrap your head around these weird feelings. You might be like, fuck, I don't know if I wanted to watch this. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they think. Like, who's he writing it for? I guess is what I'm asking at the end of the day. And you know, I'm not a movie maker, but one thing you and I talk about on this podcast is we make the podcast for us first, right? So the shit we do, I'm trying to make you laugh, trying to make me laugh. We fucking get in here, we goof around, we have fun. And they, at, by extension, we get people to listen to us who are similar to us. So I guess what I'm asking is, does, does that sort of logic apply to him? Is this something he's interested in as a story? I mean, he married a 15-year-old girl. So there's something, and he met her when she was how old? Like 13, I think. Right. Which means it. it's not like it's, and, and this is where, you know, it's funny because it sounds like I'm kind of being aggressive and, and going after him a little bit. And, and I might be, but I also know that, but I also know that in, in South Korea, I just did a Google search, which probably get me arrested. I just wrote age of consent world. And I just looked, I'm just, I get all the countries in front of me. Right. So in South Korea, the age of consent is 20 according to this. And then there's only a few countries that are that where it's that high. Three countries fall in this bracket. The first is Nayu, an oceanic country where sexual activity can only be legal if the partners are 19 or older. The second one is South Korea, where the age of consent is 20. And lastly, there is Bahrain, where it is forbidden under 21. Uh, so mm-hmm. Bahrain's is the highest in the world. So I guess what my point is, do South Korean parents look at American people and go, they're fucking vile perverts because they're fucking 18 year olds. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there right, is because, a relativistic aspect of this. There is, there is to a fucking point though. Mm-hmm, to a point. Because yeah. children are children. And in it's, it's, <laughs> it's like the question of, it's hard to describe, it's, it's hard to describe porn, but you know it when you see it, right? That's <laughs> that age, the age old adage is that like people say that it's funny. You know what it is when you fucking see it. Right. Right. You can't right. argue what porn is or what isn't because when you see it, you go, it's fucking porn. Right. And I'm starting to apply that same philosophy. It's a fucking kid. Like, you know, it's a fucking kid. Right. Right. Yeah. But exactly. does that mean I have the moral compunction to say, oh, people in Japan where the age of consent is 13 are monsters? <laughs> That's fucked right. up. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. 
Yeah. I don't know what um, I'm going to say. I'm definitely not a moral relativist. I know that me growing up a Westerner looks at that and I think that's pretty perverse. Like, I don't, I don't think they have, I don't think kids have a capacity to sort of understand that at, at all. And it's, right. and, and I don't know if that's my Western social programming. I don't fucking know, but I do know that when I look at it, I go, Oof. right. And it's even lower <laughs> in like Nigeria. It's like 12 or 11, something crazy. Mm-hmm. So then you well, look at South Korea and you go, well, they're fucking 20. U.S. is 18. Like it's, well, I think, I, I don't even fucking know to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, it's fucking, it's weird to think about. So Luc Besson, he's a guy from France and, and, and you said what? The consent age was 15 in France or 16? I think so. Yeah, 15, I think. Yeah. It's, so it's like, I, I don't know. And well, for me, it, I think- it brings up a weird, it's very weird because, because at the end of the day, when I'm really asking myself, Matthew, and the reason I looked this up because I was just curious, is wh- why? Like, why does he do it? France is 15, right. by the way. Okay, there you go. Yeah. As of the writing of this article, which is worldatlas.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I'm like, and I know some people have very hardline feelings about, no, if, if anybody involved with any type of media or art in any way has been shown to have any problems, it's like ban, ban that thing entirely. Like if it, you know, don't yeah, watch yeah, it, don't yeah, support absolutely. it, don't, That's and they get, they get on that line. And there's plenty of times where I agree with them. Um, my divide here would be that Luke Besson as a person, mm, I'm not going to try to defend him. And I'm not sure necessarily he should be defended. Uh, it is pretty fucking questionable, pretty weird. So yeah, it's technically not illegal. Um, I, I don't think his, his you know, she's now his ex-wife as well. He's married to somebody else, but sure. I don't think she described any abuse at that time. But a lot of people would just argue that it's statutory abuse, period, just because of the age difference. And I mm-hmm. think there's plenty to argue uh, for that. But and, and talking, I don't know. I don't know her. I don't know what she feels. Don't I don't know how she feels about it now in her life. I have no fucking idea. I don't idea. know. Right. And it's not my place to judge him either at all. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just, it's a conversation that I think is interesting based on yeah. the context of the film. Well, what I'm trying to say too is like, I think within the film itself, and the reason why I can still feel fine about like, I think this is a, a good movie and a good story, um, is be, there, if I'll say the more, the bridge too far morally for me w- would be if there were like, you know, when they're parting ways at the end and, you know, that horrible situation, if, if there was some kind of line from Leon, like, oh, if only we could be together, if society would let us, you know, like, if there was like, sure. trying, if they were, you're trying to fucking Trojan horse like a defense of kid marriage in here, I'd be like, right, okay, right. fuck off like i like come on no don't make but, some romeo and juliet for the fucking man who wants to love a little girl fuck that can, but can, that's not there right that's not there but you know what else isn't there leon expressingly telling her no you don't understand yeah right yeah. that's devoid of the dialogue and i found that kind of questionable which is right. funny because i love jean renault's performance i think he's great she doesn't write the dialogue let's just make that clear I don't know yeah. who wrote it. I have no clue, to be honest with you. But um, was it Lupus on that wrote it as well? Uh, yeah, no, he wrote and directed it. <laughs> <laughs> right, go figure. Um, but here, anyway, I mean, like, but, but this- my point is, I wish, because at the, you know, I, and I know this is the end of the movie, and we are going to go through it, but this is a good conversation that I don't want to derail. At the end of the movie, whenever Dana Ayla goes, no, you're not, you're going to go to school. I was like, God damn right. Somebody Finally, fucking someone. tell this girl what's up. Seriously. And that, right. that, that was such a refreshing feeling. I was like, I felt like I was like, I, I was shallow breathing the whole movie. And I just went, fucking finally, somebody said, you're a fucking kid. You're not a hitman. Stop. 
Right. You're, act, you're acting crazy. Now, I understand that Leon's sort of like socially retarded. I get that. <laughs> you get that impression. He's a little fucked up. And see, that that's what's interesting is like that was Jean Renault's choice. So that was that was kind of his personal interpretation of the character. He said sure. uh, in the commentary for the DVD, actually, he talks about it. Renault says he made the conscious decision to make Leon a little slow, a little emotionally repressed. Can't read. Right, so that he didn't mm-hmm. come off as physically threatening to Portman's character. And the quote is, he's like, Leon is somebody who's lost his parents, an immigrant, in fact, and if you're not smart, it means no brain, means not a lot of words, so you have to put out a lot of emotions. You defend yourself in that way, the instinctive way. Sure. Uh, and he said, he also goes on to say, if you're slow, Matilda is the one who controls the situation. And I think that's that's the interesting dynamic in this movie. Of like, If you're an adult watching this movie, that's the other big difference here, too. Like I was watching this as a teenager, and I'm like, I'm more focused on the action and just the oddity and the, the strange kind of tone of this movie that I thought was unique. But now watching it as an adult, part of the tragedy of it is wishing that Leon were a emotionally mature enough adult to get a grip around the situation and be like setting the boundaries of like, Matilda, you're a child. <laughs> you're a child. Sure. Uh, I don't know you. This is not appropriate. This is how things actually need to be. Um, and he just doesn't, he doesn't have the wherewithal for that. He is not all the way there. Um, and he, you can see him struggling and like trying and just like not knowing, like he's intimidated by her at points in this movie. Like he doesn't know how to kind of deal with her Absolutely. in, certain, in no certain ways. I would say she's more emotionally mature than him in certain aspects. And he kind of, you kind of see him kind of crumple against her at times where he just doesn't know mm-hmm. what to do. Like he's kind of in a weird way. He's the best person she could have run into to save her because he's fucking actually skilled, you know, defender hitman who can protect her. <laughs> but in, in, as far as like a, a somebody to be, you know, a guardian for you and, and somebody to guide your development as a person, you know, as a kid into an adult, he's not really the right person for that at all. He's kind of mm-hmm. the worst person she could have run into. Um, and I think that, but I think that conflict, that problem of us as adults watching this other adult not handle the situation in an adult way very well because he just doesn't know how is right. part of the drama of it. And he's supposed to be Italian, yes? I, I think he's supposed to be, yeah. So yeah. French, though. He's so, so French. French. He couldn't be more French. He couldn't be less Italian. And dude, hey, by the way, this is a slight side tangent. I'm not talking about the character of the movie, but Jean Reno, Jean Reno in real life, full blown Claude. Cloud, big time. I'm Fun high on I'm high on cloud. French people right now. I just want to throw this out there. High on what? I'm high on French people right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was high on our 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 tale of Claude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm high on the guy known as Frenchie in Amazon's TV show The Boys. I've only watched the first episode, but the first episode was it great. I need to get, I need to finish rules. it. I'm four in, and I love it. I think nice. it's a great show. I highly recommend The Boys on Amazon. Um, I love Frenchie in that. He's good so far. I don't know if he gets weird, but, um, <laughs> you know, we did the day of the Jack and now we're, and now we're on to my guy, Jean Renault. So yeah, I'm high on the Frenchies right now. I mean, um, in much of the chagrin of our British listeners, because we know that, uh, they <laughs> the could be more, will never couldn't be, over. be more racist to one another. Um, <laughs> fucking just hate each other. So, uh, yeah, man, pretty cool. Um, uh, and you can send Italy 14. So maybe that's what, <laughs> maybe that's what the professionals working with here. I, I don't know. <laughs> Ah, uh, Bellasconi, bunga bunga party. <laughs> How old is your wife? My wife, she is a 21. Oh my God, she's so old. Can she <laughs> still wife, work? My wife, she's always <laughs> on my ass. I say, go back to middle school and do your damn homework. <laughs> oh, my man, I tell my wife, I go to the grocery store. She goes, I can't even drive. <laughs> mm, great. God. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, 
So a whole, yeah. a whole lot of yuck in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird, man. It's a little fucking weird. Oh, but yeah, boy. it's all. But then you know, and then on the other side of it, it it's it's weird too because it's like if you had a if you were an eighteen year old with an eighteen year old girl and you guys flew to South Korea, would they be like, you guys are gross? Like get out <laughs> of our country. Animals. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's I don't know who the fuck knows. But um, <clears throat> that's why like there's so much. There's a lot. I, you can't say it's arbitrary because no. they're all within a handful of years, every country in the world for a reason. So it's not, it's not utterly arbitrary, right? Right. There's a reason right. that doesn't say nine in any of these, you know? Well, I mean, I mean, shit, you don't have to go that far back in American history either for people to be, you Absolutely. know, 28 year old men marrying fucking 15, 14 year old girls. <laughs> I mean, like shit used to be different guys. Our moral compasses have not always been geared the exact same way for all of time. Sure. That is for sure. Yeah. I was just more curious as to what the, why, why I ask why. Right. But perhaps, uh, perhaps I'm sort of asking an impossible question because I, I'll never know why. I'll just know that I'm, it exists and that we got to talk about it. Well, <laughs> so, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, I even think that maybe, maybe Luke Basson's original unfiltered, his totally his own vision for this movie without any editing, without any changes to his first draft script. I might not be in favor of. I might be like, no, I, I don't like what you're doing with this. I don't like how you're you're going in this direction and kind of almost doing a soft defense of pedophilia. Nah, not into it. But I think it's it comes to the point where with other people's involvement with Jen Reno's input, with producers' input, and other you know the editors, like whole chunks. Even in the, in the extended version, there are plenty of chunks and scenes that got dropped that even didn't get filmed that were you know taken out of the script that were a little more racy. And, and I, I imagine that was probably other people's input being like, Ugh. No, not no uh, to well, that one. It, it, it tested poorly. A lot of these extended scenes that we're watching were tested poorly in the U.S. Right. For, for those reasons. And I don't even remember what they are, but I was like, I don't really remember this. Yeah. Do you know the differences? Um, some of them, I don't have them all listed out, uh, but I know like when we get to them, yeah, like, and for one, the scene where they get in bed together, that was one that was not okay. in the original. I was, definitely <laughs> didn't remember that. A little sleepy, yeah. little sleepover, a little cuddle. Right. A little, a little, a twelve-year-old will be the little spoon. Uh, oh God, ooh, boy, I am uh, very uncomfortable with these. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly like the most like adult thing about his character in the movie is just how fucking uncomfortable he is. He's just like, this isn't right. Like he, like he knows it. Mm, yeah, uh, Luke, Luke wouldn't let him say it though. Exactly. Like, no, no, you can't say it outright. There's still like a a beauty in this, and there's still a glimmer of hope. That I have you met. Have you met my wife? I'm gonna go pick her up from sophomore cheerleader practice. Christ, she's in the movie, by the way. No shit. The the underage girl who I think is 16 at the time of the filming of this. Oh, so he's already into it. Oh yeah. Oh shit, that's lovely. So which one is she? She is uh, the escort uh, when he's like attacking the guy in the beginning of the movie. Oh, he's like, I'll I'm talk to you later, right baby. That's her. Oh, okay. okay. She's like 16 right there. So he's already <laughs> been in there. Oh, yes. Okay. I well, know. Yeah. let's dive into this movie. <laughs> My great pick, Matt Lewis. This is a good movie. I love <laughs> this shit. Boy. Can't say, there's not, can't say there's nothing to discuss in The Professional. Next week, Lolita. All right, we're going to continue this conversation. (laughs) 
Let's do the one where, um, let's do the one where, um, what's the French kid's name? We always make fun of the French name. Uh, he's in uh, Indiana Jones. God damn it. Oh, uh, come on. Fuck. Are Boy, we, we are rubbing together two brain cells to fucking <laughs> shit. Um, Shia LaBeouf. It's <laughs> not French. Shia LaBeouf? No, he's not French. That's a French sounding name. I, I guess. I don't know. Mm. It never struck me as French. I mean, the LaBeouf. E O U F? Huh? Are you sure? No, I'm not sure that that was French. It. Maybe it's, I don't fucking know. I'm not French saying it is French, but it sounds yeah. French as fuck. Well, now I fucking have to now. Mm. Doesn't matter. Don't matter Doesn't at matter, all. Though, does it? Not even a little bit, but um, I got to know. But my question was, the, the movie where it fucks the chicks on the train, we can do that one. Nymphomaniac? Oh, oh yeah. We can do that. You want to do that movie? That like 10 hour fucking- They like eat your box like- while she's reading a book and eating an apple or something. That's the poster, I remember. I found it, t- <laughs> I found it titillating, Matthew. There's a lot of doing it in those ones. Yeah. I was on sure, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, without further ado, let's jump <laughs> into this movie. Let's m- work our way through it. We got a lot to talk about. This is not going to be a three-hour podcast. I can tell you that right now. Fucking so no. we're we're going to breeze through some of this stuff and just try to stick to the conversation points that matter, as we've been doing more and more. Kind of. <laughs> we did talk about. Eh, we usually write around two hours. So, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. We're going in. So Leon and Tony talk business in the opening scene, Matt. Mm-hmm. This fat bastard trying to move in on Maurizio's business. Italian as fuck. Fucking Maurizio don't like this. And uh, since we paid for your boat over here, you ding dong fucking guinea basted. I don't understand. You are also like this. Yeah, but I know it's fun to say it to you. Um, <laughs> he doesn't like the wise guy moving on his business. Uh, and he's like, I want you to talk to him. And- doing that, dude. Doing that beautiful mafioso fucking like double speak, like euphemism of like, he just wants a little conversation. You know, he wants to make sure this guy has a little bit of a conversation with us. This, this thing of ours. It's a retirement community. Yeah. <laughs> Waste <laughs> removal services. <laughs> what do you win? Waste management. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, uh, he's free on Tuesday, so somebody's coming up. Somebody serious, Tonto. Dude. Tonto gets a gun uh, in his face, and uh, I love the glasses. I like his outfit. I like the way he looks. I don't like the high-water pants, but I like everything else. Dude, the high-water pants, sa French. Got him. Sa French. And where I come from, it is always flooding. But uh, where I come from, it is because there is so much blood in the streets that I have to pull my pants up because I am a killer of men. You know, I actually just, the only thing I don't like about those pants is whenever I've tried to wear them, anytime you move around, you know, you just hear accordions. Like every movement is just an accordion (laughs) every step. It's just fucking obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And making out with children (laughs) in every corner. (laughs) And trying to make out with this child while my pants making accordion noises. (laughs) I mean, I, I remember. I remember. Um, I I remember making out with a fifteen-year-old too, but I was seventeen. Yeah. A little different, right? <laughs> Dude, I remember even feeling weird about that at that age when I was seventeen, dating a fifteen-year-old. I'm like, ah, is this okay? Uh, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna stop, but am I? Yep. Anyways, anyways. Um. So this is, dude. I man goes I upstairs love- to break up this man's party, and uh, it kind of kicks off with dead Tonto in the elevator. 
Dude, fucking hardcore. I love this introduction to Leon, the character, how little we've seen of him so far. For one, our, our first real shot of him, he's wearing those sunglasses. You don't see his eyes yet. He is this kind of shrouded person, um, and you don't get a very clear look at him until a good chunk into the movie. But we just, we start out, because this movie, man, does not have that much action in it. It's kind of regarded as like an action classic, and I would even agree. But as far as action sequences, not that many. Arguably two. I mean, there's some there's some killing in between, you know, in the middle of acts of the movie. Mm-hmm. But there's this big opening sequence, and there's the big final sequence. But this just totally establishes Leon as a very competent, dangerous, scary fucking hitman who has all of these dudes on the run. And I think that's an important thing to establish about him that we don't need to keep hammering home the rest of the movie. You see it from the point of view of his victims, the people who are just fucking shaking in their boots knowing mm-hmm. this guy is coming for them. And then we don't see that again for a long right. time. And I think that's that's a, a crucial background note for this character. It has a very Batman Begins feel to it, doesn't it? Dude, totally. Yanking the dude over the yep. stairs by his tie. Shit. Guy's just getting disappeared. I think that's pretty cool. I love the guy's alligator skin boots. <laughs> dude, so 90s. And it's you also, know, how fucking 90s is it of it? All the henchmen, you know, boxy, big boxy fucking 90s suits left and right. And at least one of them has very long hair. That is the most 90s henchman shit. Like a bunch of dudes, most of them like buzz cuts or like shaved head, gruff looking guys. And then one just random, like two feet of long curly ass hair guy. You're like, God, just this fucking 90s shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotta have it though. Yep. Um, our guy goes for dual wielding Uzis instead of an assault rifle. Instead and of has, something practical. And he has a call to call 911, old fat man. I know. I was like, dude, you, do you know who you are? Does I barely he know, know what's going to happen like, to him when they show up? He's going to go to jail forever. Right. <laughs> oh, what's up with all these fully automatic weapons and suitcases full of cocaine? Huh, I think you're going to come to the station, actually. Well, I think we're going to get him on traffic in there, Sergeant. <laughs> Jaywalking. I think we're going to get him on traffic and then uh, having lots of deadly weapons. But I like the cinematography of the knife slipping out of the darkness and under his fat, fat chin. Oh, I fucking love it, man. And just his, you know, Leon's face with the sunglasses mm-hmm. just kind of emerging out. Got that big hawk nose on him. Oh, yeah. Oh. Sticking it right in his eyeball. I'll cut, out your, cut your throat with my knife and scoop out your eye with my nose. <laughs> I'll just pretend that you know one of those dirty, dirty German occupiers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he, he's living out his fantasy of being a he fucking is. marquee. That's what he, he is. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, very cool, though. And he just says, uh, "By the way, what nine one one operator put somebody through to a detective?" I know. I was like, "That's That's weird." weird. I think they would just dispatch a, a fucking, you know, squad car. Well, it's 1992, so 911 is a joke in your town. <laughs> um, no, but a uh, slick moment. Um, I love the way he sneaks up on him, and they call Maurizio. And he's like, if I ever see your fat face, you're not going to have <laughs> Safe mercy. Safe to say today's your last day in town. Again, <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, the mafioso double speak share. He's like... Now put me back on the phone with our mutual friend. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Do you understand? Uh, Say you understand. <laughs> That's awesome. Good. <laughs> and just fucking slips away into the darkness. Ah, yeah. So fuck. Great. It looks awesome. It's a killer opener, man. And Fat Man's like, whew, I locked out on that one. <laughs> Dude, sure. Yeah, that was, that was your lucky fucking day. You just got your whole crew squashed. 
Yep. So we move over to Leon vanishing and then Leon buying some milk and Matilda sitting down smoking cigarettes up on this uh, stairway. And uh, I just see ahead of me, Matthew, I see fast track teen pregnancy, a ticket to fucking Nowaysville. I say she just swan dives off that fucker. Do herself a favor. Well, you know, Mr. Martin, I think we're going to have to reject your application for the Big Brother, Big Sister program. Um, I don't feel like you have the right attitude. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, she's just high to Leon, leans back. Nothing like a nothing like a sexy lean back from a kid. <laughs> Best song's direction. Just, yeah, more sexy, like everyone on set looking at each other like. Mm, Do you know okay. what the word languid means? Be that way. You should maybe uh, droop a bra strap. I don't have a bra. I don't wear bras yet. Um, she's fucking adorable. She feels so man. bad for her because she's such a such in a, she's in such a fragile position, and it's just like, oh god, I will kill that whole room of people for this poor kid. You know? I know. I know. And she's just like the bruise those, on know. her face. Oh, I fell off my bike. <laughs> right. And she's just very obviously like a precocious, bright kid uh, who's in a shitty, shitty spot. Um, yep. and, and I like how, I honestly really like how much Leon doesn't press her on anything. He, he no. leans down yep. and notices that, okay, yeah, that doesn't look like a, a bike injury, but he's not going to press her. Like he kind of, you know, just respects her privacy. Like, well, this is not my place. I don't know. Yep. Uh, what a slick way to introduce us to Stan by having these two worlds already sort of intermingling. Right, that he's already there. Not some big some big introduction of him coming up the stairs or entering the building. He just comes out, and for one, we only see the back of his head. Yeah, it's a, it's a, slick, it's a slick move. But, but Matilda being in the background of, of us seeing where she was in the prior shot links our worlds immediately. It's a good choice. Yeah, and, no, you, and you have our guy Malky. He's he's arguing with Matilda's father, dude. And essentially, the, go ahead. I was gonna say the fact that like we find out, you know, probably midway through the movie that these guys are not drug dealers; they're fucking crooked as shit DEA agents. And I love how they're just like, "Hey, man, let's get out in the middle of this hallway and scream about how you screwed us over on selling our illegal drugs." You can't screw us over on selling our illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Wow, this is a conversation you have while the door is still shut, by the way, crooked cop. But they don't give a fuck. No, no cameras, no surveillance back in the day. And um, they're pretty sure they're in a piece of shit building where nobody gives a fuck and no one would end up talking anyway. And no one would right. believe anyone that talked. This is like that, you know, that Judge Dredd building. <laughs> oh, right. And I know uh, Danny Aiello, actually, in an interview I was watching with him, he was the one who was talking about, actually, no, you know, I'm sorry, it was Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman was talking about how, what he liked about this movie, and, and I think it's very true, his quote on it, is that it's not reality. It's a kind of heightened version of reality. It's yeah. not true. Kind of like you're on PCP the whole time? <laughs> a little bit. But, um, but I mean, just like the whole setting and everything, like it's not real world New York. It, uh, it honestly no, it's operates kind of like- it's insanity. Right, it operates more like the Wild West. And it's like, these guys have so much power, so much unchecked power. They can be so openly, literally openly, out in the middle of a hallway where any passerby could hear them just crookedly talking about these drug dealers. Like, they, they don't care. Like, they kind of have just this totally limitless power and the small town folks have to cower in fear behind their Which cattle. is funny because they're in a fucking city. Right. That, so this, I feel, it's funny, you, you used the, like a Western attach. I attach this, this... I could see this as a graphic novel big time. Like, this strikes me as such a comic totally. book story. 
Yeah, I agree. Because it, it is over the top. The, there's so much over the top stuff in it, which I didn't remember as much until I watched really? it Really? I remembered it being quite over the top. That's something I liked about it. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, Stan, Stan's, I think his name is Stanfield, but we'll call him Stan's back Stan. to the camera. Right. Uh, he has a headset on and uh, we got this this discussion, which is essentially there's been a 10% loss in purity from being from their drugs being cut under uh, Matilda's father's care. Mm-hmm. So the accusation is you are skimming off the top, so what the fuck's going on? And that's when Monk is like, listen, I don't want to disturb him because he's doing his music thing and he's fucking bananas. And that's <laughs> when he, uh, he, he does disturb him because Monk is like, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything, I didn't do anything. And uh, Oldman gets this pretty, uh, pretty intense intro. Oh man, so good. I love, I actually love Malky here because he's, I, it's kind of that classic henchman Malky's thing of goodness. like, you don't want me to make my boss mad. Oh, you wouldn't like when he's mad. But you get the sense from him and he really is like, dude, please don't make me go over there and bother him. Like really, I actually really don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm kind of scared of him too. Uh, yeah. And boy, boy, is he fucking great. This moment when he turns around and walks over to her father and gets all close, like literally putting his face against his face. That was entirely improv. Mm-hmm. And that other yeah. actor, Michael Badaluco, had no idea it was going to happen. And we and described being like, I was utterly intimidated and creeped out <laughs> by him. <laughs> He's just sniffing him and shit. Oh, it's so creepy. It's awesome. It's funny, you know, a lot of times when you watch a picture and there's a villain, you always say to yourself, okay, the villain's probably going to get it because villains get it. And you and you know that going in. In this, you kind of know that going in. But you also, or or I also, thought, regardless of what Leon does or doesn't do, I can't imagine that Stan is long for this world. I mean, he's unfucking hinged, unhinged man. Just so you just get the unstable. idea he's on a collision course with obliteration, right? Right. Oh, he's, he's going to OD if not, if not fucking right. shot. He's, gonna, he's shooting his way out of town. It's going to be a gory fucking mess. That's for sure. <laughs> like that's, that's the way you feel. Regardless of whether or not Leon intercepts him and their stories collide, you're just like, well, this guy's, this guy's on his way out. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, oh, yeah. Gary Oldman, back, especially back then, really struggled with alcohol abuse. That's probably why he's sweating the whole time. <laughs> he is very sweaty in this movie. It makes <laughs> sense for the movie, though. It does. But uh, he <laughs> sniffs him and he... He determines through sniffing him that um, he believes him, but he does say, listen, you have tomorrow to noon to figure this out. We'll be here. Because it happened under your care, and if you didn't do it, that's fine. But the guys that you're that are reporting to you did do it, and you need to find out who. And then Matilda's dad roughs her up. I was like, you fucking piece of shit. Oh, uh, yeah. And I mean, again, it's a, it's such a nice little microcosm of a scene of we we see Leon watching through his people, this you know watching mm-hmm. uh, Stansfield you know intimidate her father, and then her father go over and just immediately take it out on her. Right? Oh, yeah. You didn't cut your shit. Get out of here! It fucking mm-hmm. pops her right in the face on her already bruised eye. Yep. He sees Brutal. the whole the whole lay of the land right there. Yep. Yeah. And it's funny, you know. There's this. Now that I've gotten older, I. I have much more of a compulsion, m- much less of a compulsion to want to go out there and like, you know, punch that guy in the back of the head. Now <laughs> I, I get the reservation. I get the patience. I get the, it sucks, but I'm not sure there's much I can do about it in this moment. You know, I, I understand that shift in feeling, Right, but man, back in the day, I did not. I remember I had this upstairs neighbor beat the shit out of her son. 
And I, I had like, I was just loaded with adrenaline. I didn't know what to do. So I ran up there and I just fucking banged on the door so fucking hard. And it like was shaking. I was like smashing it. I was probably like 27, 26. <laughs> and she's answering, she's like, what? I'm like, can you stop beating your kid? And she goes, Damn. it's none of your fucking business and yells at me. And I go, it's my fucking business if I can't sleep. Because <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. Because I wanted to make it about that and not about like I care. Obviously, I cared. I interjected. Keep your child abuse on my work schedule. <laughs> In retrospect, I was like, that wasn't what I meant. But that's what yeah, came out. And <laughs> right. she just turned around and slammed the door. And they didn't make a peep the rest of the night. So it, okay. it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe Dude, sometimes people just need to know that the the rest the of the world, world is, is outside their door. That's like, right. That's right. We can still hear you. Like, yep. that's I kind of knew him too, so I didn't think I was going to get a twelve gauge shoved in my face. So I was right. Like, uh, I kind of know this lady, but um. Anyway. <laughs> uh. So anyway, uh, Matilda's dad smacks around, and uh, Leon witnesses the whole thing. As you said, he has a quiet. He has quite the vest on. <laughs> he takes a shower, and then the music tells me he's pretty fucking lonely. Um, Very a shitty window fan, some milk, crappy pants, you know, <laughs> and a shitty plant that he Gosh. loves. Accordion playing plant pants. Just. And he sleeps with his sunglasses on. Dude, sleeps in a chair upright with his sunglasses on in a corner. Like, not only lonely, but also very, you know, cautious and paranoid. Because you can't he blame him. killed his girlfriend's father. Yeah. Who killed her. So. And he lives in a world of, I kill people for a living and people probably want to kill me. Mm. all the time well it's a fascinating idea because that's the only time he's ever killed for something not not just for money correct unemotional not contractual not not a business transaction and uh, it's caused him to sleep like that ever since which is pretty wild but uh, we get a glimpse into Matilda's world too so we've seen Leon's world and now we're going to see Matilda's world indeed and the only just brief moment a moment of tenderness here is her little brother. She smiles at him. He comes over to her and she just hugs him and he goes off to what he's, whatever he's doing. And that's mm-hmm. it. And then literally everyone else is just a total piece of shit to her constantly. Like just, mm-hmm. just shitty, awful, uncaring, completely oblivious to, to her existence. What do you think of her uh, sister, older sister's workouts? What do, that? <laughs> what do you think of that? What do you think of that behind? Dude, she is working on that ass. I mean, she's got to get in the gym and start doing the squats. But I mean, hey, that's a good start. Get after it. <laughs> 80s style. How old, can we get a look up on how old she is? <laughs> Who is it? Let's see. Uh, Matilda's. <laughs> well, can sit- I pause nope. right there? This mm-hmm. is a perfect example of what I mean. Like, does it become more or less morally disgusting if she's 17 versus, say, 19? <laughs> that's like right. that's that's the fucking that's what Luke Bazan would would ask you, right? Right. And I would well, say, the, and I would say, the, it's you know, you know when you see it, buddy. You don't. know when you see it. Well, hey, uh, stark difference right here. Her sister, I don't know her age, but a developed woman's body, uh, not like this undeveloped no, course, child child girl who's <laughs> obviously a child. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it I hate so it. much. Put fucking pants on, kid. Jesus Christ. But um, anyway, her house is fucking chaos. Chaos. I mean, she changes the channel to fucking Transformers, God bless her little heart. So many times. Uh, and her sister runs over and beats her with the remote. Like, fuck, girl. Damn. It's, a, it's 
Their entire house is built on violence. In fact, I am convinced that Stan is a is a godsend. He's essentially Gabriel to me, riding through, <laughs> doing the Lord's work. By Are you referring people. to the fucking painting of Gabriel standing atop uh, the fucking demon with his sword? Yes, yes, just I am. fucking crushing down, crushing the shit family. Yes, I think it's the Lord's work that he does, and well. If he has to take a little drugs to get through the day, well, that's fine. We'll pray for him. But um, I think he's doing the Lord's work when he offs these fucking scumbags. Seriously. <laughs> They're fucking shit. I mean, <laughs> the brutality of it is pretty fucking awful. But am I shedding tears for them? No. Yeah. Except for her little brother. Her little brother. Sure. Yeah, that sucks. We also get the, you know, the brief moment where she impersonates her mom, which I think mm-hmm. is actually really telling for as, as how independent of her family she is and sees herself you know she answers this phone uh and it's the headmistress of the school she's supposed to be going to uh pretends she's her mom and you know basically the mistress being like well she hasn't come to school in two weeks and you know we're gonna have to forfeit her tuition if she doesn't show and she just goes she's dead and hangs up not Mm. too much hope for her own life a metaphorical death indeed indeed but uh, leon heads out and hears some yelling from matilda's charming father and uh he decides to go to the movies. <laughs> which seems see to be some Gene Kelly. The last shelter of the social outcasts. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't go see movies by yourself? Fuck no, off. No, no, I actually do. Yeah, me too. Um, but he sits there kind of like I can't get right, and we see Gene Kelly roller <laughs> skating around. I, you know, it's funny. I do not recognize what that movie is. And honestly, I have seen my share of Gene Kelly movies. I don't know that one. That is Gene Kelly, right? I don't want to. Now I feel like a fool. Yeah, no, it's Gene Kelly. Okay, yeah, I thought so. That I, I remember that movie. Um, I remember that as a kid. The fucking roller skates. Really? Yeah, I don't know that one. My, the big one for me is obviously Singing in the Rain. Like that's one of the only musicals where I'm like, that's a damn good movie. I don't care what anybody says. That's a great movie. Yeah, it's always fair weather. Mayhaps. Mm. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure it's it's always fair weather. <laughs> He sits there with his happy, slack-jawed smile, just enjoying life a little bit. Mm. Our our murderous man monster. Now, here's a part where it becomes really challenging to not insert yourself into this situation. Because when he comes home, he runs into Matilda again, who is bloody nose. Indeed. And you're like, oh my god. And he offers her a kindness. I mean, her face is a mess. He offers her a kindness. And um, she's skeptical at first because she doesn't know. But she has this intense question. Is life always this hard or just when you're a kid? Uh, and I love his fucking answer. Always like this. Always like this. Dude, that's, that's one of those things. Where I'm very in favor of adults being honest like that with kids. I hate when adults do that shit. You know, you, you, some 13-year-old kid's like, oh, man, middle school sucks. And adults like, oh, no, it's, it's good for you. You know, it's, it's great. School is wonderful, and, and it'll be better. For, I'm like, I am, I am of the opinion of like, yeah, I agree. middle school is fucking terrible. It's going to suck. I'm not going to lie to you. It sucks. It's the worst time of your life, but you will survive it. Like, let's not fucking dress it up and do that pretend fake bullshit lies that adults do to kids that kids can also see right through by the way yeah my my parents were always like that with me they're always like it sucks we know but <laughs> it does but it's for the better one, one thing my uncle told me once which made me feel pretty good is i was at school and i just fucking hated it and he's like dude 
Here's the good news. School, very temporary. Work is forever. Someday you're going to be at work and you're going to wish you were back at school. <laughs> I was like, fuck. And you're like, never. And then 15 years later, you're like, I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see what you mean. I like punching a fucking clock. <laughs> but um, Matilda makes an offer to pick up Leon's milk. She's aware of his little pattern, which I'm guessing probably makes him a little uncomfortable. And right. I'm thinking, it's at this point where you probably just crack her neck, toss her over. Right. Protect your identity. Yeah. Obviously. Easy. I mean, I mean, shit, you're a hitman. You do this shit constantly. And a kid neck? Damn, baby. That's the easiest neck you've broken all week. Right there. And even if you don't break it, yeah, she's dead meat when she hits. <laughs> uh, that war, I mean, uh, worst case scenario, she's just a drooling vegetable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She ends up a vegetable and you're good because she can't identify you. And if she gets cute and wakes up out of the fucking coma, you go in, you strangle her out, you, you smother her with a pillow. <laughs> and you go to sleep, you lay your head down on the pillow, and you say, I'm a good man. Mm-hmm. That's it. You sleep like a baby. Sleep like a baby. Kick my <laughs> shoes off, right? I wiggle my toes under the covers a little, and I go, ooh, I'm comfy, and I just nod right out. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, my hands are tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wake up with weird, you know, weird spots in your body that are sore, like maybe your pinky finger from strangling her. You're like, oh, that's weird. My pinky feels odd this morning, or maybe your. And you calf do wake up a sweating mid screaming and night terrors regularly. You don't know why. It just kind of <laughs> happens. It's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, maybe. But then you just pound it out with the whiskey and just sedate yeah, yourself, exactly. and uh, never get an actual REM sleep again. And you just drown yourself in booze. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and a handful of indiscriminate pills that you chew like Skittles. That's right. Here we go. Now uh, that's living. Now let's talk about Stansfield and doing some PCP. I love the line where he just says, I like these calm little moments before a storm. It reminds me of Beethoven. Can you hear it? It's like when you put your head to grass, you hear it growing. You hear the insects. Ah, he's so fucking creepy, man. Gary Oldman is great. That's a great line. Ah. But he just yanks the old pump action away and goes in himself all by him fucking self. Yep. Uh, His frantic intensity on the way in, the way he handles the weapon. Oh, just so jaunty. Just he doesn't care. Exactly. He's just, he just rolls in and he's so casual about it. I mean, it is, this scene is honestly still shocking to me even now. I mean, he just, just, Casually stalking through the halls of this apartment, blowing away a teenage girl, blowing away their mother sitting in the bathtub. That's a great shot, by the way. That Ooh. top down of the suds, she's going. <laughs> it is. It's fucking brutal. He's I such love a that monster. shotguns, man. In house in, in house fighting, I love it. Boom, yeah. shotguns up <laughs> house back. Fighting. It. House fighting. I don't fighting. know if I'd call it a fight in this <laughs> situation. You know what I'm saying? But nah, I know what you mean. And, uh, yeah, he just fucking starts smashing shit in the kitchen for no reason because he's just ripped off of his ass. He's just a PCP crazy head, yeah. Mm. Um, what I always love about watching this movie is that when I watched it again only a handful of years later, I remember thinking, holy shit, how insane is this that this movie, he has this thing for Beethoven, right? Right. Now, he's in a picture called Immortal Beloved. 
by mm. Bernard Rose. Uh, that's right. Evident, yeah, I for, I'd forgotten the name of it, but he was already, I think, in pre-production or working on that movie while doing this one. And that's then that explains has, everything. Yeah, he's got all his, he actually has legit Beethoven knowledge. He was schooling himself hard. He, he's also an insane person and takes a lot of that into the Beethoven role. Beethoven was known as a very intense and passionate guy. And um, Gary Owen plays a good Beethoven. It's a goofy movie that I have a soft spot for because it, it's kind of, you call it a romance kind of movie. But, um, right. but I liked it because I, I couldn't get enough of Gary Oldman in 1994. I couldn't oh, get yeah. enough of him. And um, he was, like I said, he was quickly be- becoming this, this favorite actor of mine. Dude, he's so fucking good. I mean, hell, we talked about how fucking great he was in uh, Dracula. But fucking, I mean, damn, he's he's excellent in that sometimes odd movie, but he elevates it. Right, which like, was at the same time, like, that's what I mean. Professional, Dracula, Immortal Beloved, these very oh, passionate character roles, right? Right, Dracula is right. a pretty passionate character, as is Stan, as is um, Beethoven. Um, he plays in that film State of Grace I've been telling you about uh, where he's in the Irish Mafia and that's got a lot of people and it's got like Sean Penn, Robin Wright, uh, Ed Harris. Oh shit, that sounds yeah. good. Yep. And uh, I, he's very intense in that. Say it ain't so. And that's <laughs> 1990. So think about it, man. 90. I mean, this Dude, I is- need to see I need to see more early Gary Oldman. The only other early uh, Gary Oldman movie I'd seen was Sid and Nancy. <laughs> That's a great flick. It's fucked it's up too. Ugh, um, fucked up. Romeo is bleeding. I think he did as well. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, if I remember. But uh, yeah, you can see why uh, this guy was a sort of a, a staple of my upbringing because he was around in the nineties, nineteen ninety, State of Grace. Yeah. Hell yeah! No, he kills it. Oh wow! State of Grace was. Um, yeah, 1990. Yep, Sean Penn, bananas. But yeah, he rolls through this this house, and um, it's awesome. I love the moment where he assumes Matilda's father is a Mozart fan, <laughs> and he just says, "But for this kind of work, he's a little light, <laughs> a little light." <laughs> and uh, I like how we see hints of Matilda's dad's shotgun. And then people just start getting hit. It's cool. We never actually see him make a move to to, to draw the weapon. Right. That it's was a cool cinematic choice. Erupts. Correct. Yep. As it was totally. all of the shotgun. And this is the extra brutal, horrible moment when her little brother, who'd been hiding under a bed pretty damn well, honestly, hadn't been noticed yet, makes a run for it uh, as the gunfire kicks off and fucking white Rostaman starts firing his fucking Tech 9. Uh, and I guess ends up killing this kid. We don't see yep. it. Matt, what, Matt, let me ask you, <laughs> is this what you sound like when you, uh, when you have a hole in your suit? Let's have a listen. Oh, fuck. <laughs> More realistically, that's me spilling coffee on myself as I walk down the steps on my way to the bus. That's me. Anytime I hit my head, <laughs> dude, if fuck. I bump my head into a cabinet, it's, I I want to start fighting something immediately. It's the most aggravating. I don't know what it is about that. Bumping <laughs> my head, it makes me crazy. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I guess we all have our pet peeves. 
<laughs> no, I feel you. It's one of those things where I'm like, don't smash your cabinets apart now because that will solve yes. nothing and you'll yes. have to fix it. But hmm. boy, would it feel so good to punish this inanimate object who I want to feel pain so badly. <laughs> and then you have your fucking hand in ice for three days. <laughs> exactly. Feeling like a dumb, dumb. Yeah. Well, definitely not talking from experience or anything. So Leon watches from the speed. Oh, we get it. Watch out. He's a hothead, guys. He's a hothead, ladies. He's passionate. Watch out for hothead Matt. Yeah, it's so attractive. It's definitely attractive. (laughs) You know, you want some unhinged, screaming anger, smashing things up? Top lover in hothead Matt, Um, as seen on Tinder. So Leon watches from his peephole, and uh, the old lady tells them to leave, and he fires a shot at her. What the fuck, man? You know, another... Leave that poor family alone. You think she's still alive? Dude, and you don't want to know a completely bizarre, random fact about that woman? Hmm. Um, she was Woody Allen's chemistry teacher in high school. Yeah, taught him how to, taught him how to make Spanish fly. <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, I guess we're not going to bring it. I guess Woody Allen's coming up if we're talking about... Oh, boy. I guess he's coming up. You want to talk about... You guys want to do... Why don't we do a Luke Besson, Roman uh, Polanski, and... Uh, and uh, the fucking guy we'll you just cap said, it off Woody with a Allen. Weinstein miniseries. Fuck we'll it. do a triple. We'll do it. We'll do a triple, and then we'll. It'll be a lead up to the Weinstein guy. We'll <laughs> celebrate the, all of their careers, <laughs> their achievements. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, they all try to. They all try to outgross each other, and come to find out, none of them can do it. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna take a pause on Woody Allen for right now. We're we're balls deep enough into a very fucking weirdly gross thing already. <laughs> okay, then why don't we shift over to Roman Polanski? Oh fuck! <laughs> I'm just hiding in Paris. Mm. I don't think Polanski's French, but I like what you did there. So let's talk about probably one of the most standout moments in this whole movie, which is Matilda's walk. Oh, it's excellent. It's really, 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 really good. And it's so... There's not a person alive that's not going to help this poor, poor child. Right. Um, and I just love, again, this is another one of those moments of seeing her own intelligence and kind of a little bit of wow. wisdom beyond her years to not fucking freak out, to not right. flinch at walking by. She just continues to walk by, carry the groceries, and know that, okay, I need to go... To another door. I need to go somewhere else. I can. They are on to my family. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so smart. And dude, what a what a moment of you know you, you're watching Leon hesitating and just not knowing what to fucking do here. And like you said, like you can't not help her. This fucking weeping child who you know her family just got gunned down. Uh, and when that door opens, I love the choice the, of staying yeah. on her face and just being bathed in that light. And she's just really like getting to see the moment of relief kind of like wash over her. It's That's very, so it's very uh, biblical as it were. Totally, man. <laughs> yeah. The light just hits her bing and, and she goes, ah, it's a great. Scene. It's very powerful. Yeah. She's a very great. I, I, I love Natalie Portman. I think she's great. She's oh, she's so fucking great, man. It made me want to wa- uh, rewatch Annihilation because I'm like, I want to I want to see her again now with years of acting experience behind mm. her fucking just solid. So, Malky, that's his name, right? Mm-hmm. Tells Benny based off a family photo that there's still a missing girl, and that's when uh, Matilda goes inside, puts on the Transformers. During this tense moment, we have Leon looking through the peephole and sort of trying to line up his shot in case things get weird. I love that. 
Oh, I love yeah. him sliding the pistol along the, the surface of the door, thinking <laughs> if, if I want to make sure I hit him if this is about to go bananas here. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> Fortunately, Mr. Dreadlocks finds what they're looking for and um, stands like, well, you stay behind and talk to the police. We're out of here. Bingo! Uh, we used to say that a lot. Bingo! Bingo! <laughs> oh, that got, so that got taken over by Inglorious Bastards. Bingo. That's a bingo. <laughs> uh, good shit. But yeah, I just, uh, I love fucking Leon just not knowing what to do with her at all. Because of it's course. This is a great opening moment. Let, let's talk about, this is the beginning of the relationship right here. It is. Um, and I mean, pretty much everything is so unaddressed. All he knows to say is, sorry about your father. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else to say, you know, like, uh, and, and she comes up back with this. Well, if somebody didn't do it, him. huh? She lays it on him right here. Right. Like, like her it, feelings of her shit family and uh, that she's not right. sad for any of them except the boy. Exactly. If somebody didn't do it one day or another, I would have probably done it myself. She says, uh, the only thing she, she's sad about, like you said, is her little brother, uh, because he just used to cuddle against her. He didn't have any, he didn't do anything to anyone. And she felt like more of a mother to him than that goddamn pig ever was. Yeah. And, um, I just want you to know, Matthew, we have, you'll be happy to know, we have, um, a call from one of your exes. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yep, and we have a call from one of your exes, and uh, let's see, we're going to get her on the line right here. All right. There we go. Sound familiar? Oh, the French girl. Yeah. Forgot. Forgot about that. Much cleaner than you'd expect, no? Honestly? Yeah. Really? She has a lower register than I would have expected in your younger years of dating. Uh, you know, you got to go for the, the well-seasoned ones. You want a, a really good time. <laughs> old piggy pan, the old piggy routine. Get some smiles out of the kid because her entire uh, hope in life has not been crushed utterly yet. Right. Well, the other the other thing I really like about this scene and the way there's this really tight close-up on her face reacting to him doing this. Yeah, it's good. And she kind of, you know, she kind of laughs. It, it does get a little bit of a smile out of her. But the more I think about it, the more I watch her kind of watch him in this moment, it's not her just laughing at like the silliness of the scene. I think part of it is her realizing how innocent he is, like how he's this like very sweet kind of unknowing, innocent person himself. Um, And I, I feel like this is actually kind of the first moment she realizes that maybe like maybe i'm he's not as much older than me than it seems as far as like intelligence or like you know maturity like i think she kind of realizes that here of like the balance of of power as far as maturity goes she's like huh there's there's something here i was i i i i don't disagree but i took it a little differently i took it as she was just like wow somebody's actually showing me some kind somebody gives a fuck about what i feel right now yeah that too, that of you like know. I'm a doing this to raise up your feelings, and sure, just, I actually sure. give a shit about your feelings. Right, right, absolutely. And it's such an odd moment too, because you you go whoa, <laughs> like to see this guy act this way. Yeah, you know, there's, exactly. There's a, it, there's it's odd, and I mean that in a very positive way. Right, right. It's like almost out of place. Like he's so uncomfortable doing it, but he's willing to do it for her, which is almost kind of like the beginning of this whole thing. Right, and also just the fact that it's like. 
what is this for? It's not like she had a bad day at school or got a sure got a gosh darn D minus on my report card. It's like no, your entire family was just slaughtered all of ten minutes ago. Is it big? Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. It's like it's not really. I mean, it's sweet of you to try, but it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say this is the the right band aid for the situation, but I think I think that's what she sees here: the fact that he's trying more than Correct. anything else. Correct. He cares. What right. sort of this? He cares, and she knows he cares. She can tell. Mm-hmm. She's got wisdom, or at least intuition, as yeah. kids often do. Indeed. So he outs with the whole thing because we get the gun case. His is a cleaner. She thinks that's cool. She he gags at her, thinking his name is cute, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> They kind of continue this discussion later as time passes, more milk is poured and uh, Leanne's sort of instructing her or, or just sort of telling her like, there's no women and no kids in this. These are the rules. And uh, that's when Portman says, I have a proposition for you, basically, right? Yeah. I basically wants to become his apprentice. I mm-hmm. I work for you. I cook and clean and do all of the, the work in your apartment and you teach me how to, quote unquote, clean, how to be mm-hmm. a hitman, how to actually do what you do. Um, and kill these guys who killed my brother. Yep. And he says, Matthew, what she, she asked, well, what do you want me to do? Cause he's obviously not high in this idea. And, uh, you know, he's, she's like, what do you want me to do? I got no place to go. And he's like, well, get some sleep. You had a shitty day and, um, we'll, we'll chat in the morning. It is go to sleep on my mattress without any sheets or anything. Cause I, uh, I sleep in a chair with a gun in my hand, like a paranoid person, which he then puts up to her head in the middle of the night. Dude, I, in the version really, I watched, he blows her brains out in the credits roll. So it was not weird. Whoa, short damn, movie. That's a really short movie. <laughs> weird cut. But, uh, but no, I actually love that moment. I think it's a yeah, great it's awesome. moment because you got to remember at the end of the day, as much as this movie is discovering about, you know, discovering how much of a soul and how much of a fully fleshed out person with a, an emotional inner life that Leon, a hitman is, he is a hitman. This is his way of dealing with problems. What is he best at? Fucking killing people. And this girl shows up on his doorstep and you got to imagine he's been sitting there not sleeping, thinking all night, but like, what the fuck am I going to do? How do I take care of her? I don't know what to do with her. Do I send her somewhere? Will that get me in trouble? What do I do? What do I do? And kind of coming to the conclusion, at least for a moment, of like, well, the thing I know how to do best is to fucking waste somebody, and I can just do that quick and clean. I'm kind of rid myself of this problem. And of course, when he's standing over a sleeping little girl with a gun to her head, it kind of comes back to like, this is awful. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Latte. I hate to interrupt you, but not so little. <laughs> it is I look besson. Practically a woman as far as I can see. On the precipice of womanhood. Yes, perfect time for me to start putting inroads into her personality. <laughs> like a creepy God. cult leader who sort of, you know, grooms her for future relationships. <laughs> I'm a good man. I sleep like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I sleep with babies. <laughs> Fuck. God. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> fuck yeah. I fucking rocked that one, dude. I rocked it. Come on. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> Sorry. God. Damn, Plur. Damn, Plur. So, um, next morning, Leon is doing some sit-ups. He tells Matilda that she's to uh, take off after breakfast. So, enjoy your fucking Cheerios or whatever you're eating. And she goes, where to? And he says, not my problem. Not my problem. (laughs) Don't blame him for feeling that way. 
Yeah, he doesn't know what else to say. He doesn't he doesn't know what to do. You have to think about Leon for just a second here, and it's about time we pause and think about Leon for a second, which is basically you've been killing people since 19 years old. Mm-hmm. In a very professional capacity, you're utterly antisocial. You're devoid of social contact entirely. You are, you're, you're fucked up. You're not a normal person. Definitely not. And you don't know how to talk to anyone, let alone a kid. Especially one that suddenly you're starting to realize you are responsible for. Right. 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 And that, that to me is part of what makes this story more, more tragic and complex than, than the interpretation of, ah, this is like pedophilic and weird. Like, I think he is the kind of person who he's not good with anybody. He's not good with anyone, you know, another mm-hmm. an adult or another man, another woman, like it doesn't really matter. He's not good on, on a social level. He's very awkward, very uncomfortable. And, and, and let me just make it clear. The pedophilic thing is more of a meta aspect of the picture. Right. Because yeah. Leon doesn't act that way. He, he, he it would have been cool if he had a little bit more expressly forbade her to act certain ways towards him as far as that stuff was concerned. Indeed. But I don't think Luke wanted to pursue that. Otherwise, <laughs> he, otherwise he <laughs> would have. Interesting. <laughs> Seems like a stretch based on <laughs> his patterns to date. <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, I mean, like, he is just the kind of person where you now are not only dealing with a kid, which is just fucking complicated and like, oh boy, you better, you know, establishing boundaries with the kid is fucking hard for, a, you know, their own parents, uh, let alone a total stranger who has had no experience with, with children or fucking Especially the way that this kid grew up, especially the environment exactly. she grew up in, his environment that he grew up in. I right. mean, he's, what is he, 40? He's got to be late 30s at minimum and he spends his whole life killing people. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is this is a, a a nuanced situation that is far beyond him, and we just yeah. watch him struggle with it from the he, jump. He, he barely managed to buy milk. You know, it's like <laughs> they're like, uh, "Do you want one percent or two percent?" He just uh, just pulls out a gun and blows the guy's brains out. <laughs> just fucking honey. Somebody comes out of the basket. Somebody comes out of the back. Honey, no kids. Falls against the fucking milk crate. <laughs> But um, I just want the milk. Matilda attempts to sell the cleaner idea again. He offers her a gun. Go clean. <laughs> <laughs> you go do it. <clears throat> and she basically just lays it on him. She says, look, you're responsible for me. And if he tosses her out, it's as good as having never let her in. That's a right. slick little move. <laughs> slick little move uh, by her. Already well-versed in the art of shitty manipulation. <laughs> Emotional <laughs> manipulation. <laughs> But in a sense, she's not wrong. I mean, like, where where is this girl going to go? And she is genuinely being hunted by these guys at this point. They know she's missing. Um, and I think she's got the, the wherewithal to understand that, yeah, I, I can't just, like, wander haplessly back out into the world. Like, I, I am being pursued. Yeah. Um, but boy, does she pull a fucking card here where he's like, you know, Matilda, I just don't think you can do it. Fucking grab his gun and just fire out the window randomly. Hope he didn't just kill some random person walking their dog, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, what a moment. She also of- tells him I will die tonight. There's that, too. Indeed. Yeah. That I, got this, I know I'll be dead tonight if, if I don't get to stay here with you. I, I like the cut after the shooting to them out on the street. <laughs> That's so good. 
It's so good. And you got to bet, like, I love how they're walking silently. And then within the shot, like, we actually see him stop and pause and turn to her. And he's like, Matilda, don't you ever do that again or I'll break your head. Like, he's yeah, been yeah, yeah. thinking, yeah. he's been thinking for blocks of like, what the fuck do I say to this kid? Like, what do I, like, what do I say about this? Like, how do I address this kid who would do that, who would shoot out my window and force me to fucking move? And he's just like, there are rules. You must be professional. Mm-hmm. Ah, so yep. good. So they show up at a new place, and she starts. It's 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 so funny. Yeah. Survival instinct is so powerful, man. <laughs> and her survival instinct is so powerful because she's so good at immediately making herself useful, just whipping up a lie, a good one too. And immediately, she has to be right. And it's you know the violin. You can't play that after ten because they're going to check into the new hotel. Right, right. And she know and the other thing she's good at is knowing that, yeah, I'm a kid and I'm a cute little kid and I can play the cute little kid angle real mm-hmm. well. And this so guy's she, like totally oh precocious little girl, you know, practicing for Juilliard. How lovely. Yep. Yep. And uh they do the old father daughter routine and uh the man laments about how his seven year old doesn't want to do shit. <laughs> and he's happy for this man to have a daughter that's interested in violin. <laughs> and uh with that they head up to the fourth floor i love i love that uh, that's that's something that it's an interesting moment because it's something leon just can't even wrap his head around at this point he's like i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I, I cannot relate as a father i barely know what's happening <laughs> so matilda fills out the paperwork on account of leon's struggle with reading and uh writing illiteracy as it were which we learn about here right and he does his, uh, let me let me get familiar with the layout of this room, checking everything, looking out windows, doing what you would imagine a professional would do. And that's when she lies to Leon and says she's 18 now. He ain't buying that for a fucking minute. Not for anyone with functioning eyes is like, no, you're not. <laughs> nah, that's a joke. Yep. That's it. There's a great moment. Spoiler. There's a great moment in Once Upon a Time, um, Once Upon once Upon a Time in the West. Is that the name? I fucking forget the name of the movie. The Tarantino picture. Uh, oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? In Hollywood. Thank you. In the West. An idiot. <laughs> and it's like, there's this, there's this like young hippie girl flirting with Brad Pitt in the movie. This is a little spoiler, but whatever. And she's basically like, you want me to suck your dick while you drive? <laughs> and he's like, uh, nope. Because <laughs> like, she's young, you know? Right. And, he, and he's like, He's like, if I pull out your ID, is it gonna say eighteen on it? And she's like, he's like, it was something like, you don't have an ID, do you? And she goes no, and he just kind of laughs. Obviously, she doesn't suck his dick, but it's I'm a real keep my hog in my pants. He's like, I ain't going to jail for no poontang. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny, but um, anyway, Matilda wants to be strong and smart like Leon, and I love this. I love this. One of the most awesome things about this character, one of the things about Matilda that makes you realize that you think she's going to be okay is because of this attitude. Her attitude isn't take care of me. Her attitude is empower me. Right. And she keeps talking about the the usefulness she's going to provide. Uh, she's, you know, basically playing, I'll fucking teach you how to read. And, you know, I'll, I'll do these things for you. I will help you. I'll help manage the things that you obviously have difficulty with. Um, and then she also kind of sells the idea too of like, just teach me the theory. Just teach me the theory of being a hitman. You don't gotta, you don't gotta, you know, put me out in the field and then teach me how to kill people. I just want to understand the the fundamentals, coach. Yeah, classic broad work right here, boy. <laughs> and boy, is Leon not prepared for that at all? <sighs> classic. 
If I get a fucking, if I get my, if I get one foot on the beach, I might be able to push all the way through. I just got to get that foot on. I got to hand it to you ladies. You know what you're doing. Anyway, um, Leon says he needs to get his head together because he's getting a bit overwhelmed with all of this propositional discussion. And he goes to see Tony and they share a drink. They discuss, um, you know, him wanting something out of this box. And that's when Tony's like, well, I don't know if I like this. Come to find out it's a, it's a sniper rifle. Dude, such a great cut too. Where he's like, well, I'll take a look at it. And this is such a good moment from, from Tony too, where he's like, here, check it. And he's like, oh, I trust you. And he's like, checking it and trusting me are not the same thing. Like you Correct. need to check. You always check. doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like, remember that Leon. And you mm-hmm. can just see how much this guy, like what's cool is seeing their relationship and how, you know, obviously how long they've known each other. Tony is good at being a father figure. Like he, yeah. he still is like kind of imparting these little moments and making sure he's like looking out for Leon kind of guiding him. And that's the only way Leon kind of has learned to apply any sort of, fatherly kind of guidance you know like he he doesn't know this is really the only other relationship in his life so the only times we see him even trying to be this way is he's kind of modeling himself (laughs) after tony yeah man i like it i like how tony laments change because it's not good (laughs) yes it's out of the ordinary for leon he doesn't like this behavioral shift Uh, we know for the most part especially guys who are mafioso guys who are in boss positions Guys who live in this world, they have very powerful instincts, right? Oh, hell yeah. Have to. And he's like, ooh, something's amiss here. Yeah. And, you know, Leon tries to play it off like, oh, I'm just training, you know, keeping in shape on the, you know, the, the basics. Um, but, dude, it's such a great cut when he cracks mm-hmm. open the box to check and we cut straight to them being on the roof, opening the box. Laying and in he, sniper's positions. And he tells her, you know, this is, this is your first weapon. This is the first weapon you learn because you can keep your distance from the client. The last weapon you'd ever learn would be the knife. That's when you're the closest. That's when you're a pro. Mm-hmm. And Very what, a, what a great callback to the opening where we saw him hold a, client in, uh, hold a knife to his client's throat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, it's a great point. I didn't even think about that. What I did, though, is think about how that you're, you're almost spinning the training trope up on its head, right? How so? Like, it's, you're flipping this trope upside down. Because usually you'd be like, all right, we're going to learn hand weapons. We're going to go to pistols. We're going to go to shotguns. We're going to go to rifle. Right? <laughs> it's cool. He's like flip-flopping it. He's like, no, no, right. we're going to start. We're going to work on your jab. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to keep your distance. Then we can get into the infighting and the dirty fucking boxing shit. I like that. It's really cool. I, it's just most people, you don't usually start with a sniper rifle. I mean, obviously so many movies, it's like specialties. Like I'm a sniper. That's all I do. But right. I thought it was cool to kind of flip that on its head. It's not like the montage starts. All right, I'm going to teach you how to fucking box a little, some footwork. And I'm going to get into the knives and the, we're going to get you some, some pistol work. You know, it's not, it's like go right to the, of arguably one of the most complicated of all the weapons, the sniper rifle. You know, it's true. It's not as easy as Battlefield makes you think. Oh, and, fuck um, no. But it does make sense because she doesn't, she also doesn't really have the frame to, like, she's a child. She doesn't, you know, despite, despite what Luke Besson thinks, she's a child. <laughs> and she doesn't have the frame to fucking engage in hand to hand combat. Right. And I also think storytelling wise, it's a great opportunity. And instead of going with some montage of like, all right, look, look at them pouring out all the weapons. They do that later, but yeah, they do that later. But I like this first time of him kind of taking her under his wing and being like, all right, well, if you want to do this, this is how you do it. 
it's a long sequence of him talking her through it. Really, you know, talking, it, it's almost like this more philosophical idea of killing someone versus the the technical, you know, aspects. He's really talking about just watching your target, not taking your eyes off him, anticipating his movements, imagining yourself running with him, uh, aka this fucking tracksuit dude, aka any politician from Rhode Island ever. This fucking guy, whoever this fucking dude is. That's what he fucking, that's what I jumped to. I'm like, you seem like you're probably like a crooked Rhode Island. Crooked Rhode Island. They they look more like uh, Maurizio's friends. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) This guy looks like he could be a Florida politician though, doesn't he? That fucking floppy blonde bullshit. Or a Jay Leno like fucking body double. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely own Rolls Royces. (laughs) (laughs) He's a car man. But um, yeah, it's cool. I I like it. It's a it's a cool moment for sure. You take up positions on the roof. He talks about, you know, like you said, all the anticipation is great, and um, right. she takes her shot. I just like how they they focus on the aspect outside of the guns and the killing itself. Like he's like trying to get her in the mindset of this is how you focus and how you think and concentrate as a killer. Like don't get all caught up in just the well, how do I shoot a gun? Like how do I stab? What's the the vital organs? Like no, you need to like calm yourself. <laughs> focus on breathing. This is how you fucking take in a target. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, any any picture with like American Indians where they're like, you know, feel the elk, feel like, you know, that kind of <laughs> almost reverence for the target. Right, right. Like there's, there's just a little more to it. He's not wanting her to like just think of them as a meat bag to kill. Right. Maybe, maybe. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's really cool. It's a really cool moment. Uh, Pops this dude with a paintball. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's some deep paintball shooting. Right? <laughs> but, but he gets can, tackled by all the Secret Service agents, so he's somebody, I guess. Can we try real bullets now? <laughs> he's, yeah, he's a corrupt politician from Rhode Island, remember? Yeah, just pop him. <laughs> nah, you can't meet from Rhode Island. He's wearing a vest. <laughs> you got to be better than that. Yeah, yeah. So Great little fucking montage sequence after that, though. Yep, which is Matilda doing a lot of cleaning. Like literally cleaning, literally cleaning. <laughs> uh, Leon's putting her to work. Uh, he's making her drink the milk. Uh, I love the face that she's making. It appears to be challenging training routine. Obviously regimented for sure. Something she's not used to. Structure is just not part of her life at this point. And it just reminded me of what I think. One of the things I want to say about the scene before. One of the fascinating aspects about teaching her how to shoot a sniper rifle, how to anticipate the target's movement, and all of this stuff is. Like you said, it's the focus, It's there's a philosophy in it, and there's also this unintended, probably positive part of it, which is her developing a skill, you know? Right, yeah. How often does she get a chance to develop skill in her life? Right, a really pointed, specific skill, uh, and really getting into like, yeah, I mean, just honing the sights of a gun, like all the complicated aspects to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, montage continues, as you pointed out. And, um, you know, the, at, at the end of the montage, Matilda suggests they play a game. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the most fucked up version of charades I've ever seen. If I yeah, was to guess, I would say this is written by somebody who likes to marry 15-year-old girls. I do get the feeling. Yeah. Something, something tells me. <laughs> Ugh. Otherwise, I find it super endearing, like her trying yeah, when to she's like Charlie just, Chaplin, just play a game with him and get him to like smile and laugh and just be like, "Hey, let's not just focus on cleaning guns and thinking about killing people all the time. Can we try something else, a little more lighthearted for a minute." 
Right. Like the Gene, I, I remember the Gene watching Kelly this for the stuff. First, the, yeah, I mean the fucking. <laughs> like the first time I saw this, when I, you know, I, I'm 15 years old, so I'm like, of course. fuck all this other shit. I want an action movie. But I remember even thinking it, it didn't really like the the oddity of the implied sexuality. Of this scene didn't really, that wasn't really on my radar yet. I was just more like, huh, this is actually really kind of like sweet. It's really endearing that she wants to play this game with him, and he like doesn't even really know how to participate in it yet. But she gets him off his feet, gets him playing dress up, and like playing a game, which is probably something he hasn't done in fucking literally decades. You know, um, it would have been a good one, dude. You know how we could have got a real fucking good dude if he came out with a Luke Besson mascot? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> hey, it's me. <laughs> I'm making movies. Hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she pretends to be fucking whatever. He pretends to be him. But um, yeah, the Gene Kelly connection happens and then he takes a turn and she doesn't guess. It's Clint John. Eastwood? <laughs> <laughs> Fair guess from a kid her age in this time. Yeah, not nowadays though. <laughs> Wait, who the fuck's that? So some more time passes and uh, she remarks to him about his love for his plant. And uh, he says, it's like him, no roots. It's kind of an interesting way to say it. <laughs> right. Imagine Something she's like, you should water me and I'll grow. Uh, <laughs> but this does erupt into a, a good scene, which is the, he sprays her with a water bottle. Yeah. They have a little, they have a little playtime. This is the stuff. This is the stuff I like. This is that yeah, father daughter shenanigans that I think is adorable. Exactly. This is that, that like, this is the truly just innocent aspect of the relationship. And this yep. is what you can tell about it too, is this is what he's the most comfortable with. Like just sure. Being Cause silly he can express and, himself. Yeah, of course. Right. Like this is, this is kind of in a way more like getting into his, his range of emotional maturity of like, let's just goof off. Like <laughs> let's have fun for a minute they can connect in this way it's not confusing to them correct makes sense and um after that after they have some fun uh leon goes to meet with tony again matthew and uh, tony's been uh training (laughs) leon's been training not working and tony says well that clearly doesn't pay (laughs) and uh, we learn about how tony acts as a bank for leon Uh, he keeps some of leon's money and mm-hmm. Leon hasn't done anything with his money, and that concludes us to believe he has a shitload. Probably for we decades all, of doing this. I love Tony's assumption. He's like, did you meet a woman? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he's like, you have to be careful with women. And, I remember, uh, especially on my first viewing of this, my first you know, time around, I remember having the suspicion of like, is Tony fucking him over? Is Tony going to kind of turn out to be a bad guy? But he's not. Like, he really, he really is. I mean, he's a little... In a way, he kind of treats Leon like a kid, but I think he really does it out of a, a, you know, his heart is in the right place. Like, he's like, ah, he kind of doesn't know better. So I am helping him out. What was the last, the, the last movie we saw him in was Jacob's Ladder, right? Ayala? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I think so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In a minute. He's great, him. Yeah, he's awesome. Also, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he is the dude in Ghost Dog, too. Huh. Pretty pretty fucking sure about that. What's funny about this is I just Googled Jacob's Ladder, and there's one coming out August 23rd. Oh, you haven't seen the trailer for that shit? Nope. Oh, baby, that's going on Trailer Talk, boys. 100%. Right. I'm writing that down. Oh, right. man. That's oh, going to be man. a long episode, and I don't care, because we got a lot of trailers to watch. We got a lot of trailers to get through. Some good ones, too. And uh, people right now are going, Matthew, what do you mean, Trailer Talk, boys? What is this? Well, we have a... Uh, 
bonus. We have bonus content. And you uh, get multiple episodes a month. And um, Nathan and I just recorded a Star Trek bonus episode where we talked about yesterday's Enterprise from The Next Generation. We're going to be releasing that soon. We're going to be doing Trailer Talk Boy soon. We got a commentary on there. We got 88 episodes immediately available to you. LibertyStreetGeek.net slash join. Matthew, plan start as low as five bucks a month. You know what's cool about that? At one point in this, when she gets harassed by the bullies, she's like, I'll give you a hundred bucks for the year. Cause they're like, we're going to charge you 10 bucks a month. I'm like, Hey, that's like the emissary membership. <laughs> she's like, yeah, fucking get two months for free. If I pay you the hundred now, anyway, check it out. So, um, yeah, I don't know anything about the new Jacob's ladder, but I'm sure we'll talk about it on Monday. Oh, we'll night. talk all about it. Also to save myself the already embarrassment. It's not Danny Aiello, uh, in ghost dog. It's a guy named John Tormey. Fucked it up. Hey, that's right. I did. I had two of those in one episode. Remember? I know you really, you really. You're not going to make me wear one of those bloody rubbers, are you? (laughs) The church says wearing one of them is a sin. Uh, Fuck that up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was uh, that was Ben Affleck, right? Said that in that movie. Uh, No, I'm pretty sure it was Johnny Carson. Ah, there we go. One of his later later roles. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That's the other guy. Was it what's it? What was his right hand man name? Right hand uh, man's name was it Arsenio Hall? Uh, no. Yeah, it was Arsenio Hall, Dean. Yeah, it I was. Thought, I thought so. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Things that make you go, hmm. Pretty sure he started that. That's gonna drive me insane. God damn it all. What? I I have to know. What are you looking up, you fucking psychopath? This fucking right hand dude. Fucking Christ. I'm going to die if I don't know this shit. What are you Ed talking McMahon, about? Ed McMahon, fuck oh, okay. you. Fuck you for making me do this. <laughs> I was like, hey, hey, hey Ed fucking, McMahon. The albatross around my neck is the fucking, the references you toss out. I'm like, I don't know, but now I need to know. Damn it. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Stupid internet at my disposal. Yep. Temptress. Sorry, buddy. Back to Tony and Leon. Leon suggests maybe he can give a little bit of his money away to help someone out. Mm-hmm. Tony says, sure, it's your money. And Tony reminds Leon as to why he's a better option than the bank. <laughs> Nobody knocks over old Tony. Yeah. yeah, but I'm pretty sure you're not uh, fucking insured by the government either, Tony. Is <laughs> another aspect to that. But at the money. same time, yeah, this is some pretty dirty money. I don't think you can just dump it down in cash at the bank. Sure can't. So he hands Leon a thousand bucks and uh, he also presents Leon with another job. I mean, that's when we, the thing I just said, the cigarette, the, the kids try to shake Matilda down for the cigarette. And I love that this didn't erupt into a weird violence. Uh, that shows some, some good control from the storyteller. Right. And right. I also think it speaks a lot to his character as somebody who does not see violence as something to just throw out. Into no, the I'm talking he, about Matilda. Oh, wait, what? How so? Matilda's outside with a cigarette. So yeah, he gets presented with a job. And it and um oh oh I'm sorry, I'm mixing up my scenes. My fault. I'm thinking this is where the kid try to shake her down for the cigarette. Because I just saw a cigarette in the note and I immediately went to that moment. Oh, oh, I see. My my fuck up. This is where this is where she was like, What's the big deal? I was just smoking a fucking cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Talking and to he, this guy. And he lays into her. So you you take this over because I fucked this up. Fucking dang. Take over this oh. scene. 
<laughs> but no, I, I actually, I, I think kind of what you said about that does apply here, though. Um, you know, like this is a moment where I think a lot of other typical anti-hero lone men fucking and you know protagonists in your action movie come out here and grab this kid by the collar like don't you be fucking talking to her like i like how he just comes over look you know gives this kid a stern look and then pulls matilda aside like he doesn't just throw violence randomly out into the world he under he understands even though this is a movie of heightened reality and the consequences are much less than it would be in our you know true real world uh i do think he is somebody who understands the true costs of violence and, and taking lives and how it's not something to just toss out there. Like he's not a, he's not a very violent person except for when he's working. He sees it as like, that is what I do for my job. That's it. And he just kind of gets between this kid, you know, this other like older teenager and Matilda and walks her away. And he's just like, that, don't trust that guy. He's a weirdo. He doesn't, hmm. you know, like just be safe. Like this is his most fatherly moment ever in the movie of like, stop swearing. Stop fucking smoking. It'll kill you. Yep. And this is something that has a profound effect on her. And even if it's not ultimately realized right away, which is the protectiveness validates her, right? The boundaries. That she's important. Yeah. Boundaries matter. Boundaries make her feel valued versus, oh no, like there's always this confusion about parents who are like, oh no, whatever, go do whatever. All the time. Right. Because then it's like, well, you don't even care what the fuck I do. Yeah. You don't care what happens to me. Exactly. You're not inter. You just want me to go away and do all this shit. Like, you know, it's when there are boundaries in place, it's a much different, much different feeling. You don't, you feel valued, I guess. Right. Right. You know what? Actually, it reminds me of there's a really interesting study uh, about playgrounds and playgrounds with fences versus without fences. Hmm. Uh, and there's a almost across the board when they did these studies of like watching the behavior, you know, studying the behavior of kids in these playgrounds. The ones that do not have fences, and even if they're really big, but they don't have a fence around it, the kids kind of cloister around the playground equipment and they don't stray very far away from it. They kind of just stay in this little island of kids right around the playground equipment. If the playground has a fence around it, they go all over the place. They'll climb the fence. They'll be around the edges of it. They'll go over the playground equipment, but they they spread out. They go all over because they feel safe. They actually feel more protected with the fence around them, and they'll explore the area a little more. But without the fence, they kind of hide in this little area. And that kind of that kind of that makes me think about the idea of boundaries, actually, kind of letting people feel a little safer. When you were um, when you were parked outside the playground with your um, telescopic lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doing this study, did anyone ever ask you? No, I just, I I just, you know, took a couple of good pictures and I took them home and I developed them in my dingy dark room and I said, "She will be my wife." Uh, How did it go? What happened when this fucking cop knocked on your windshield? He said, "What do you mean? What happened, dude? I married this fifteen-year-old girl and I'm a millionaire in Hollywood. What the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? It went great, baby. I'm living it up. No consequences. I'm a man." You're taking pictures of other people's kids because you're like, oh, fences and shit with your fucking studies. <laughs> I'm a psychologist. Fuck off. Dude, I'm doing it for a fucking blog. Okay. Well, sir, I've never seen a psychologist crank his hog in a dirty van. How many kids do you have, sir? Uh, zero. Okay, step out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yikesers. So, later Matilda tells Leon. That's really fascinating, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, actually later, interesting. Yeah. Later, Matilda tells Leon that she's falling in love with him. And uh, she says she feels in her stomach. It's all warm. I always had a knot there, and now it is gone. And his response to this, which is, I am glad you don't have a stomach anymore. 
I don't think it means anything is <laughs> the uh, funniest awesome. line of the movie. It's awesome. So good. It's such a robotic way to say it. <laughs> and to honestly, this this little moment when you watch her face kind of change as he gets real kind of you know protective of her in that scene, and then yes. we cut over to the scene laying on the bed. This to me is like the crystallized moment of her misinterpreting somebody being like, I care about you and want you safe and want you protected and and want you to, you know, have opportunities and do well in the world and not be corrupted by shitty people as I'm in love with you. Like she doesn't know any other way of interpreting it because she's a kid. Well, it's, um, it's there's also the sexual nature of it, which is coming from that fucked up home where her right. dad's banging the lady on the fucking sink. Like there, these, these emotions are not separate for her. They're all crisscrossed because of her yes. abusive fucked up home as well. It's, you know, it's not, this would not, I'm not saying, listen, I don't know what it's like to be a young girl. So I don't want to speak for young girls. (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) Uh, But I do know that based on, you know, psychology and things of this nature, that there are times when you come from the, and not always, there's nothing universal, especially when it comes to behavioral science, that it's fucking, you're, she's crossing the wires up. She's crossing you know, she, she doesn't, she sees, this is one of those sexuality becomes validation and it's crisscrossing all up in her head. And that's why she's taking it wrong. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not normal for her to interpret this this way. Yeah. Yeah. No, you I, wouldn't I agree. call this a healthy interpretation. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's why there's plenty of people who, if a guy comes over and grabs them by their arm and yanks them away from talking to somebody else. They're like, wow, they love me. I'm like, that's not how you should feel about that. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you how to feel, but uh, you should be a little more concerned. Fucking kill me. I, I love it. Um, Leon gets his stuff together, hands off to work. Big exhale when he hits the hallway. Obviously, he finds himself in a bit of a pickle. I do like that shot. Dude, it's so it's such a wonderful contrast between the shot of her laying on the bed and this yep. like childlike innocence, yet thinking she's in love and like misinterpreting things, and it's like this big, heavy, deep, profound moment for her. And for him, he's like, I, you know, I don't know how to deal with this. And even the way it's shot, like she's laying on this big pink bright bedspread and then when we cut to him out in the hall it's just nothing but a dark dingy hallway behind him in his black overcoat like he he knows he's in over his head with this of like i yeah. don't know how to address the situation and her feelings and I, I, I like he doesn't even have the vocabulary to to start to like dissect what he's feeling what she's feeling how to talk about it he's just like i'll just put my sunglasses on and go back to work that's what i know how to do yeah absolutely Yep. Matilda talks to the desk man and um, she says it's her, not her father. Dude, this and is her she lover. Is, she is on some serious kid girl shit right here. Like she is just like, I'm going to stir up a little drama for fun. I'm like, God, no. Fuck, you got to move again. Oh, some, some fucking kid shit right here. He's my lover. <laughs> Like, what did you think was going to happen? You tell another adult in the world that. Yeah. Uh, she don't know. She's like 13. And after saying this and stirring up trouble, which we know is going to lead to their eviction yet again, she decides to go back to her old place. Ooh, dark. Very, very dark. After uh-huh. passing by the single most distracted, incompetent cop, he's like, yeah, whatever, I'm getting pussy. I'll, yeah, do whatever you want in that room. <laughs> That's a crime scene. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's literally, I mean, that's almost word for word. He's like, yeah, wait, wait, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, just, I'm out here getting puss. I don't care. You're going to burn the building down? Great, whatever. Yep. <laughs> you got plans, baby? <laughs> Let's get in this room and get to the fucking before this young girl burns down his building. <laughs> this bed doesn't have any blood on it. Come on in here. <laughs> knock, knock. Aim on home. This will do. <laughs> oh, God. Well, Matilda decides to uh, poke around and um, she finds a stuffed bunny. And her brother's stuffed bunny. Uh, and it comes across his actual chalk outline in the hall. Yikes. Fucking brutal. Um, but this is what really reinforces and kind of cements her like, I need to get back to my mission of revenge. Um, that this is what needs to be done. I can't let this go. Yep. And she also goes up and and basically uh, takes out a hidden stash of cash that she knew about from underneath the floorboards. And then our fucking boy, Stansfield, marching right in with, I'm assuming, some like internal uh, investigators for the cops. That's what it seems like. like. I don't fucking know. Uh, let's have another listen to uh, our, our man Gary Oldman here, shall we? Hell yeah. I lost a good man here. What the fuck do you want with me? How many times have we said this line here? <laughs> I haven't got time for this Mickey Mouse bullshit! <laughs> That's such a great line. <laughs> I haven't Mickey got Mouse. time for this Mickey Mouse bullshit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. And um, love he bounces. They steal uh, kids basketball like assholes. <laughs> Dude, man does not miss an opportunity to be a fucking asshole. Like, nothing. A kid with a basketball, I'm taking that basketball. A guy smoking a cigarette, I'm going to flick that cigarette off your mouth. Like, fuck you. I'm just going to be a dick at any given opportunity. Yep. Doesn't matter. Bird with a nest, I'm going to fucking dump it. I'm going to dump the eggs on the ground. Fuck you, bird. <laughs> He is is the fucking guy who just walks by flowers and they wilt. Like, he's just like, I don't give a fuck. Uh, He technically did play Dracula, so that's something that could possibly have happened. Yeah, we We, know he would be his powers uh, if you do have to roll 2d20. We do do see in Bram Stoker's Dracula the flowers by Lucy's bedside wilt upon his dark presence. Now, transmogrification is a power that's not obtained until level 20. (laughs) Although I found it fascinating that he was using wall crawl on his own castle walls. We're getting laid. All right. Okay. So oh, Matilda one, tracks. One um, important detail from the scene, though. This is the moment where oh, she finds sake. out. What? What am I on the midnight double feature over here? <laughs> Let's go back. Let's roll back for a couple more hours. Um, <laughs> Just but no, kidding. like she finds out what his office number is because he's the fucking like, you want me cooperation? Come down to office 4602 or whatever the fuck he says, you know basically announcing where his office is in the DEA building. And she's got it now. That's very important. Um, quick shout out to those guys. I was on uh, their podcast, Minute Double Features, Zobe and Colin. They're kind enough to invite me on. We yeah. did, uh, we covered Roadhouse, which is really cool. So if you're listening to this podcast and you want to give those guys a little boost, head over to uh, them on the web. You can find them pretty much everywhere. Podcasts are consumed. Midnight Double Feature, Roadhouse, and uh, yours truly is on it with both of those guys. And we yeah. talk for way too long about Roadhouse. Yeah. 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 
I guess, yeah, I guess it's an all right episode. There's other, you know, they have other episodes that are, you know, pretty good. Are there? <laughs> I never listened to them, to be honest. I mean, there's, with you. there's another one. No, on I'm, I'm actually, totally it's kidding. It's really good. It's about the, the movie Good Out. Um, it's a particularly strong episode of theirs, I would say. Mm. Okay. Well, there you go. Check it out. So, um, Matilda tracks Sam back to the DEA office. And, um, I like this. I like this ingenuity here. <laughs> right? yeah, paying, paying the cab driver, bribing him. Just follow it, you shit. Yep. Realizes this where is... he is. And then she goes home to watch some more Transformers. <laughs> Good old fashioned Transformers. Uh, and weirdly enough, Leon comes in. This is a little detail I'd forgotten about it's with cool. a bloody fucking hand, like hands still bloody from, from I'm assuming the work he's been doing. Um, yet, he just like, ah, here's your dress. He's wounded. <laughs> I'm going to rub my fresh blood all over it. He's wounded. He's wounded. Yep. Um, I love, did you catch the moment where she changes it from Transformers to the news when he comes out? No. Good very catch. S- very slick, right? It's it's like, a, I want to be perceived as an adult. Exactly. That yep. is, uh, that's another just tragic aspect to her character, which is, I I think, why so much of what she you know, what we see of her is this whole romantic feeling because she thinks of romantic love as adult love, as mature love. Um, and that's kind of how she thinks of it. And she wants to be perceived as mature and adult at all turns. Yep. And, uh, well, Good they catch. kick them out because they don't allow kid fucking in their hotels, Matthew. Mr. Basson, you have <laughs> to leave. How many times have we told you? How many times? This is America. It's not France. I'm sorry. <laughs> You have to wait three more years, and uh, they end up in another hotel, and we get a very intense moment between these two. This is a this is a standout scene, I'd say. Oh man, <laughs> which is um, Matilda being bored, Leon stitching himself up. She pours some milk. He she offers Leon a job, twenty k for Stansfield. Leon says, "Nope, too heavy. I don't get involved with that shit." And um, he's like, "Here's a gun. Just don't shoot out the window. If you want to do it, go ahead." And that's when she makes a point about killing people he doesn't give a shit about but won't kill people that murdered her whole family. She takes exception to this. And of course, with her frail psyche, in her post-traumatic state, she's taking this as a slight to herself personally, which she obviously shouldn't, but she probably does. He tells her that killing someone changes your life forever. You have to sleep with one eye open. She doesn't give a shit about sleeping. I want love or death. Damn. That's some teenage shit. I was about to say, dude, his reaction to that is so good. I mean, he, he, his, his line afterward where he's like, get off my case, Matilda, I'm tired of your games. Like, that's a little harsh. But I love where he just kind of repeats it, like, love or death. Like, wow, that black and white world of mm-hmm. passion that you still live in. Love or death. Yep. Romeo or Juliet. Which is interesting because Leon's world is very black and white. True. He's only starting to learn about the subtleties of relationships here. Like, Maybe black and white's a bad way to say it, but it's very cut and dry. Indeed. It's quite simple, you would say. Yeah, I know it sounds crazy to say being a hitman is simple, but it's simple, I guess, in a philosophical sense, where it's just like, okay, I get paid to kill people. If I you've made your peace with that and you just out and do it and that's what you do, that's uh, that's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, like. it's, it's as simple as anything that's like that. It has its own complications. But what I'm trying to say is that he doesn't live a complicated life. Right, right. And um, she loads a pistol, and she's going to fucking blow her brains out. And I love that she's like, listen, if I win, 
I stay with you. And if not, you can go shopping alone again. (laughs) (laughs) And he stops his girl from blowing her brains out. (laughs) She says, I win. Yay. Normal Uh, children stuff. Normal emotional manipulation. I'm going to kill myself unless you love me. Now that's the foundation of a lifelong relationship right there. Yep. If you don't keep loving me, I'll kill myself. Ah, I guess we should have kids together then. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's fine. Yep. Uh, Just great acting. Uh, She's great. Natalie Portman's fantastic. So good. Really good in this moment. Um, Also, quick little behind the scenes fact. uh, Evidently, she was unable to cry on cue during filming, at least for the first scene, the first time she's like crying outside of uh, Leon's door. And they, so they, what they did was spray some mint oil into her eyes. Uh, And evidently, that was so horrible, horribly painful that she then had no trouble crying real tears on command. (laughs) She was like, now I can do it because I never want to fucking feel that again. Yeah. Brutal. Yep. They didn't want her to be able to identify the director in court of law. <laughs> Not a clear look at my face. They're trying to blind her. I can't pick him up out of a lineup, but maybe if I get close, I can smell his aftershave in desperation. Yeah. Also, another behind the scenes fact you know who else was considered? Uh, I think even auditioned for the part of Matilda? Our girl, um, Liv Tyler. Damn it. Damn it. I was going to try to guess. I don't think I would have guessed her. I think I would have guessed Kristen, Kirsten Dunst. Oh, that, that is all I guess. But um, no, it was Liv Tyler, uh, and she was age 15 and deemed too old. Uh, I, I guess it was probably when Busan was like, yuck. Getting a little up, getting a little long. Um, I saw the report, but uh, you are getting a little long in the tooth. I cannot do this anymore. It is quite disgusting how old you are. Next thing you know, I'll be driving you to the old folks' home. It's a retirement community. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I felt like I would jump in on that bit. No, you're good? All right. Good. So, Leon and Matilda go to see Tony. Yeah, he's proposing that kids need to be shaped into something, right? <laughs> Leon, he's got a pitch. Yeah, his pitch. Leon's like, yeah, like she's 18. <laughs> it's at this point where Tony should pull him to the side and go, just so you know, she isn't. And if you touch her, they'll never find you again. <laughs> 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 don't fuck around with this I love the oh really <laughs> Tony's so skeptical he ordered As some he drinks fucking should be of course <laughs> but he makes it alright because he gets him each a glass of milk he makes so it alright because he's there to take some more work so this is good news for Tony in a sense because he is working this is <laughs> he's got how many fucking people does he have to kill? Dude, I was thinking that too. I'm like, you must be the most active hitman and you would be so fucking wanted. Are you killing like three dudes a week? Yeah. It's fucking yeah. crazy. That's the most, that's more than all the crime families killed all of all time, probably. <laughs> right? It's insane. But um, she convinces, uh, oh, this is the hit montage, right? We Indeed. see the this process where she knocks on the door. Her innocence beguiles the uh, the victims, and uh, Leon cuts the chain with a bolt gun, forces his way into these homes, and does what he has to do. And uh, we see this montage run for a while, and I really dig it. And then we end up with um, them getting to a guy who uh, she then shoots with a pistol with paint. Mm-hmm. Are you, oh, you're talking about the first guy. He's actually the guy where she she pops him once with a, a pistol yeah. with paint and then he wastes him. 
Oh, the montage comes after. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. And she burns the heroin up there. Yeah. This is a cool scene. It is. Yeah. And also, it's dude, your, it's just a security it, shot. and It's such a, a, a fucking hilarious choice to have it, you know, when it, when they first burst in there after they get his door open and he puts the gun, you know, right up to his face and he's like, bite down on it. If I feel your jaw unlock, I'm going to pull the trigger and just yeah. forces him to walk around with the pistol in his mouth and follow his every movement. Yep. So it's French. Awesome. But I like the, you know, the no, the no women and children philosophy we should talk about because that's Leon, that's kind of what Leon's philosophy is. Right. That's and, his code. Um, that's his code. And that's when she decides to burn the drugs because she's like, listen, you should know women and children. And she knows for a fact, based on the way she grew up, that this will certainly affect them just as much as any male. Indeed. Even if it's by proxy. Exactly. We also get a, a little more Don't setup. shoot him in the face, right? Yeah, if because they, you, if, then you could just say you killed anybody. You won't get paid. Yep. But he also has a, a client who is a little more skeptical and starts firing a machine gun through the door, after which he tells her about the ring trick, and which is just throwing a fucking grenade in there. Wait a minute. You're way ahead of me. Did you watch the extended version? Yeah, that's the end of the montage. I thought we were, we were wrapping it up. Oh, no, there's just that the going out to eat moment in between. Oh, okay. Did you see the scene where they went out to eat? Uh, are you talking about the scene where they're drinking champagne? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right after the now it's clean. Oh, okay. Huh. I yep. skipped over it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I was thinking it, they, the end of the montage. the hit that? montage. No, it's okay. It's fine. But anyway, they do go out to eat, and uh, Leanne makes an exception for her first client and allows her to have a glass of champagne, which quickly, quickly turns into a dr- drunk white girl. Dude, I'm like, this is one of those moments where I'm just like, ah, Leon, you're such a, you're such an unschooled man. I was like, what, you thought you were going to give a 13-year-old girl a fucking huge thing of champagne and it was not going to be a fucking public spectacle? Like, <laughs> she, her insane laughing at him goes on for so long. Like, you can just see everybody in the restaurant kind of like, huh, that's a fucking weird table over there. This is probably one of the scenes that didn't test great with the U.S. audiences because I didn't remember it. I didn't remember it either. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in the extended cut that I remember, too, which is weird. Now, here's so how I'd like to direct you, uh, Natalie. Uh, Natalie, come here. I want you to uh, do very, be very sexy, William. Be like the woman you are. I want you to embrace <laughs> your feminine, adult, grown-up body. Embrace your sexuality. I want you to do this for me. I want us to get this shot perfectly. So please do me this favor. Do me this favor. Be the woman that you are, okay? <laughs> Be in this way. Tell him you to kiss him. Do that for me. And she's like, can I play with my Polly Pockets after this, though? <laughs> I'm a fucking child, Luke Can Bassan. I go home and watch Power Rangers? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a little girl? <laughs> for fuck's sake. Yep, that's nice. <laughs> But um, she pounds the champagne, gets drunk, says she loves him. He tells her to stop. <laughs> and that's when he He's brings up better. his first hit at 19. And she says, beat you. I love it. <laughs> the maniacal yeah, laughter. Maniacal laughter. Oh, and this shit. is the montage you mentioned. But let's talk about the guy who's not going to take it on the chin, Matthew. He starts going, I don't want you in my house, motherfucker. He's shooting through the walls. And that's the ring trick. The old ring trick. This 
This is cool. So describe the ring trick, Matthew. <laughs> Where he just basically is like, oh, have you heard of the ring trick? And fucking chunks a grenade into the door. <laughs> After, I guess, I guess taking them off guard a little bit by talking about something called the ring trick. Show it to me, motherfucker. Yep. And that's it. And hey, uh, pretty not subtle way of pulling off a hit by blowing up an entire apartment in New York. Too many explosions in this mover. That's the heightened reality right there because uh, everyone would be pouring out into the halls like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Those boys are playing rough upstairs. They're wrestling. <laughs> Officer, I'm sure they was just wrestling a little hard. They were just wrestling around a little bit. <laughs> In my uh, when I was in the uh, when I was in Florida, and my mom and I lived in an apartment. We were on the second floor, and um, the the same old lady that I think we thought was knocking on that door the day I had to break out a shotgun was the same old lady who was, like hit the ceiling with a broom. And me and my friends would get wrestling around. You know, she's like, "That was boys are fighting." We were making so much noise. When she actually came upstairs crying, <laughs> I, felt, <laughs> I felt bad. Actually. Please, please stop yeah, like, the we noise. We were doing like, you know, one of my buddies had this thing where like, if you, when you're fucking around, if you like kind of fake punched him, he would literally just fall. <laughs> and he's ah. a big guy. Like he wouldn't put his hands out. Like it was a thing. He probably, it was cool. He's like, boom. And the whole fucking place would shake, you know, like fuck. And uh, he was stocky as shit, you know? And uh, I remember we were all just fucking around doing that stuff. The boys are fighting up there. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> to live beneath fucking adolescent boys. Jesus Christ. Yep. Yep. Well, let's get to um, what I was trying to say a lot earlier in this was this moment where I like that when confronted with these boys, she doesn't do the thing that the movie would do nowadays, which is have her karate fight all of them and beat them all up. It'd be so stupid. You know uh-huh. they would do that. Right. right, right, and then she'd say you should fight like a girl or something like that. It'd be fucking stupid. <laughs> this is way more awesome, way more subtle. She has way more command of the situation with her brain, and right. um, it's awesome, man. I like this moment where she just is like, "Cool, here's the money," and that gets that. It, it's cool that that is what intimidates them. Like her casual confidence in their presence as they try to shake her down for ten bucks a month. <laughs> right, right. She couldn't give a shit less about it. Well, she's about to overstep that confidence, Matthew, because she's going to go to the police station and she is going to get <clears throat> ambushed, more or less, by Stan, who's behind the door when she shuts it in the men's room. Oh, what a great what fucking a villain moment. Awesome moment. <laughs> I love that. Dude, that look on his face when that door shuts and you're like, oh. And one of the things I love about this movie too <clears throat> is that they show they show the Natalie Portman character, they show Matilda to be very confident, to have grown up very tough, to know how to sort of withstand, to, to not be intimidated, not be pushed around. She hasn't she has a willpower about her. And boy, if there's one person that can make it melt, it's this crazy son of a bitch. Exactly. She immediately exactly. It's a great contrast from the scene before because it shows how powerless she is. Right, right. Uh, like, and, and we've gotten so used to seeing her have kind of a command of the relationship with Leon and like being the, in a way, the more steady, level-headed person of the two. And you kind of, you're kind of 
tricked into this whole thing of like, ah, oh, she's like wise beyond her years, kid. Like she's kind of she's she has her she's moments, able, right? And she definitely has her childish moments, but she you feel like she has a grip on things. And this is like that full blown reminder of like, oh no, she is like a fucking she's a little girl, and this is a full grown scary fucking man just in her face. Uh, and I love the choice too of this shot of letting it stay far away. Like we see him standing against the wall and he's just some walking towards the camera, very small in the frame. Like he's just this, like he doesn't have to rush. He's just a fucking menace. There's no way out of this room without getting past yeah, him. And he's not a big guy, you know, no, like he's just no. unhinged. So fucking unhinged. I mean, what a line he has to her. He's like, do you like life, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I I take no pleasure in taking life away from somebody who doesn't care about it. Yep. Awesome. He is so intense. Because she says yes, and he says that's good. (laughs) Good. Yep. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, fuck. But he's really, he's really good at this invasion of personal space when he's dealing with people he wants to dominate. He gets real close to them. He does it multiple times. He's touching her face. Right in their face. And it's just this, you, the utter frailty you must feel at, at, at the head of this lunatic. Right. This is like, he is so good at imbuing his characters with that feeling of this person might do anything. Like mm-hmm. if, yes, he, exactly. if he all of a sudden pulled out a knife and just shoved her against the wall or, or he threw out a window or he just put her in a headlock or started screaming at her. Like you're like, this guy would do anything i have no idea what might actually happen next he, he, he he's kind of you know uh, you know who else i also think has that ability as an actor not nearly as good as gary oldman but nicholas cage i think he can oh, he has, hell yes he has that ability to make you go fuck this person is so volatile i truly have no Dude, expectation of what fucking, they're going to do in the next second he was brilliant back in the day man fucking brilliant man yep he has that too but you know it's funny watching this movie again i thought boy they could have done a Gary Oldman Joker, couldn't they have back in the day? Probably Dude, that sort of like a. wild sort of body. The way yeah, he moves, man. he's really frenetic. His movements, he is he's got that. He he probably lacks a subtlety that uh, that Ledger has, but yeah, that kind of bombastic thing he can do. Oh yeah, no, he's got it. I could totally see a, a, an Oldman Joker. But uh, death is whimsical today. He's fucking weird poetry. <laughs> Some of that is a little goofy, but it's fine. Again, if I, I think of this movie as a comic book, it really changes the way I think about a lot of the stuff. And honestly, I feel like that's almost the appropriate way to think of it. Like that's that's the accurate yeah. way to think of this movie. This the slightly, just the ever so slightly heightened, stylized reality of a comic book. That that is right. this movie, right? So, um, blood, do you hear me? Stan asks of the dreadlocks man, "Take her up to my office." And Stan leaves. And uh, it doesn't take long for Leon to show up because he gets home, he sees the letter, she's she lays it out. I'm gonna go do them myself or something. Something goes wrong. I left you 20 G's on the table. It's for a contract, five for a head, right? I mean, he he starts panicking. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. His reaction to the letter is she's like, "Well, uh, what?" (laughs) And he speeds off and he heads there. And he tells the cab driver to wait. Dude, tells the cab driver to wait and storms straight into like a Department of Justice building and just fucking starts kicking ass. Yeah. Marches straight into the DEA office and blows these two dudes away in a heartbeat. 
This is the part of the movie I kind of have forgotten about. And this is the part where I was watching it today when I said, oh, it's a comic book movie. <laughs> <laughs> like a 90s comic book Punisher style movie, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. It just has that feeling. Right. But he, he kind of bursts in and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and he hugs her and it's cute. It is. And again, it's this nice is another moment. one of those father-daughter moments. That's really sweet. You know, it's funny, as we're sitting here watching this, I'm forced to be reminded of Collateral Dude, right? Keeping the cab outside while you go hit people. True, (laughs) true. You just wait here. Stay right here, bud. It's awesome. Definitely not going to throw a dude off of a building onto the top of your car. (laughs) Why would I do that? Everything's fine. Nah, everything's cool, man. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. And, um, but yeah, uh, this is where she puts on the dress that he bought her. Right. <laughs> this is one of the more uncomfortable scenes. <laughs> Evidently, they didn't even rehearse this scene purposefully at all to like to so that it would be awkward and that they wouldn't quite know how to respond to this. Uh, and you know, and what is another thing John Renault was saying of like he doesn't know how to respond to her being this way. And he, you know, something that he got her with the intention of, I want to get you a nice thing. Isn't this nice? And then she comes out with it and it is like, there's an undertone of a kind of budding sexuality here. And he's like, uh, I, okay. Like, I don't know what else. I don't know how to talk about it. He's just like, that's nice. It looks, looks good. <laughs> good, good for you. Boy, does it get worse. Oh, so much. I want you to be, I want to like my first time, basically, is what she's saying. He's saying he, She's saying that she wants to... Excuse me. There we go. She's saying she wants to lose her virginity to this man. That's what she's saying. That is literally what she's saying. Yeah. Li- literally what she's saying. And fortunately, he does give a hard Matilda <laughs> no to her. But I, I, I'll admit, this is probably the one time in the movie where I'm like, I yeah. wish this had been said differently, phrased differently, written differently. Because he's like, I would not be a good lover. And I'm right. like, that's not the reason you shouldn't fuck a child. Hey, you're right for the yep. wrong reason, by the way. I just wouldn't be good at the, the way I fuck with you. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew just, Luke, Matthew, <laughs> it's Luke here. I just want to ask you a question. Don't you think it's about time she had sex? I mean, she's getting on in years. She's going to be a spinster. I feel bad for her. She's one step away from holding 40 cats and being alone the rest of her life. <laughs> Why are you judging the scene? What that is, the beautiful fight that you love. Mon um, me you understand it's a beauty in it. It she's, is a beautiful. She's trying to express herself, let her do it, and not judge her. <laughs> okay, buddy. Yeah, you keep telling yourself uh, okay. that. Okay. Yeah, you you stick to stick to that. Valerian in the city of a thousand cities or whatever the fuck that was. This is what I was talking about at the beginning of the movie, uh the podcast, which was the express we just can't. Right. That is no not right. <laughs> I would not be good. I would not be a good lover, right? No, that's not what you say either. (laughs) Incorrect reason, friend. You say, you are a child. Someday you'll be a woman and you will love somebody and it will be great. I am a grown-up adult. Mm -hmm. This is not natural. This is not the way things are done. Don't ask me about it again. Sit down at the end of the table. Thank you for pouring me the milk. You look cute. You look adorable. The dress Can is fantastic. Can we move on with our fucking lives? 
So let's get back to being a semi-father-daughter thing, okay? I don't understand. Fuck. This is shit dialogue. No one would talk like this. Uh, Nobody says this. Uh, they're not going to do it this way, I'm afraid. Uh, it's going to be more subtle and uh, more touching and uh, sexy, if you know what I mean. Can you whisper in her ear, she looks sexy? No. <laughs> no. I definitely can't. I can't and won't. Well, this is where he tells a story about wasting his girlfriend's father. Indeed. Because from the wrong side of the railroad tracks. Because his girlfriend uh, was killed by her own father Mm -hmm. for for seeing him, that he flew into a rage and shot her. And that's when he took up a rifle and took him out. I didn't realize his life was a, he lived in an opera. (laughs) <laughs> straight. I mean, he's Italian. He can't help it. <laughs> the most French Italian guy of all time. Everything's an opera. <laughs> Everything's no, a tragedy. Oh, mamma mia. Oh, <laughs> Mi amor. Vincenzo. <laughs> oh, Vincenzo. <laughs> and then well, the at least I'll just settle for- and the curtain close in yeah. act two. At least we'll just settle for uh, a little spooning. I mean, he isn't really spooner. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she same. very much so like puts him in bed and is like, all right, and this is how it's going to be. And we're going to do like this. And oh, I've- oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Do you hear what this man is saying, your honor? <laughs> he is saying, your honor. It's the child's fault. The witness will not speak. You will not speak. <laughs> Order in the court. Your honor, I think it's clear at this point that the defendant, Matthew Anderson, is suggesting that this mere child just asked, actually put him there as if this grown man, your honor, didn't have the strength to fend off the wily charms of a 12-year-old child. Now, what do you say, Judge Besson? I think uh, the fifth element is a good movie and you should all give me a pass. Come on, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, I just love the awkwardness of him. Like, she's so happy to finally be doing it. Like, oh, we're going to share a bed. I'm going to hop into bed with you, and we're going to sleep together. Uh, and he's just like, this This, this is not good. <laughs> this, I'm going to lay awake all night. This is so weird. But this, well, is the, this is, again, her living out her little fantasy, her idea of what love is, what intimacy. And that's the thing. Like, for her, I think it still just comes down to this blurring of, I don't know the difference between parental love or romantic love it's all like it's the same thing in her mind meaningful love is sexual in her mind because she comes from that fucking household exactly yeah i I think that's really at the heart of it yeah well tony's having a birthday party which does get interrupted by stan and his friends and they break up this party quick and uh he basically wants to know about an italian type hitman that wasted his guys and uh he brings up a 12 year old ghoul girl who was rescued uh, by this very same Italian hitman. I'm dying to meet him. Dying to meet him. Dude, the way he just fucking marches in and sits down at his table uninvited, like, oh, oh, he's such good villain shit. Yep, he's good. He's good shit. Um, We don't really see what happens here. No. We just go back to uh, the next morning. (laughs) And uh, apparently Leon snores. Aww. Because Matilda slept in bed with him. Uh, and uh, Matilda heads out to get some milk. And Aww. that's when. <laughs> Dude, that could be an entire symphony of this movie. Just, oh, uh, oh, uh, 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 cool. 
<laughs> wow. Ugh. Ugh. Really? Aww. Aww. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we should have made a soundboard. <laughs> Dude. Uh. It'd sound like a fucking 80s dating show. Aww. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and things heat up. <laughs> Yuck. Well, um, apparently, uh, yeah, we did all that. So Matilda's followed home by Stan. And she gets grabbed by eight fucking guys, which Dude. is going to kick off our final action. I I love that there's no buildup to this. Me That's too. one thing I, I'd forgotten about. Like, we don't see guys massing. We don't see Stansfield, you know, waving his arm with a radio and, and, and just doing shit. We see Stansfield confront Tony about his hitman. We see Stansfield watching her go home. And then, boom, there's already a SWAT team in this place. And there are just more coming. Uh, such a great moment. And uh, dude, another little good little piece of script writing that it's called back very well is that before she left that day, yes. before she left to go shopping, where he's like, Oh, remember the, the, the correct knock you do, you knock three times, then you knock twice. And that's how I'll know it's you. No, so no. He, two, one, two. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, okay. But, yeah. uh, two, one, two. And when, she, when these guys ask, is there a specific knock that he knows for you? She nods and she gives them the wrong knock. Gives him a good three, two, one. fucking girl. Hell it's yeah. Awesome. It's awesome. Good shit. Yep. And they take up positions outside the door. Other men file in. And this is where I go, wow, do I not remember this as well as I thought I did? Really? What did you know? I, I just, I blurred out the, the overwhelming force. Oh yeah. So many. Yeah. That's, it, that's, that's why, like, as you can see, there's this momentum playing out behind the scenes here where I, where I arrive at a, okay, it's a comic book movie. Oh yeah. I'm not saying that to discredit it. I'm definitely not saying it's like a modern MCU. I'm saying it's kind of like a like a Punisher Batman style this is insanity. Like there's so many guys with rifles. So many. And I love that every shot that we we cut back from like this, you know, alpha unit leader talking to Stansfield, we just see more guys going up the stairs behind him. Just more and more and more. Like you're like shit. <laughs> because we've already come to see that, you know, Leon can handle himself pretty well. Even under you know overwhelming force, he can handle a lot more guys. Right, but this is this is kind of that first time you really start to think that oh he may not be able to quite withstand this. It's it's, it's a bit much, and uh, I love this moment where he wastes the first dude and Matilda whimpering is great because she's concerned, of course, for Leon, thinking maybe he's being killed here. And um, it's funny you should have had one of these guys fall back with her, take her outside, go put her in a squad car, but. Again, this Seriously. is kind of like this comic book world where they're all villainous in a way. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, and then we get it, man. The fucking lie. After he wastes the hallway of guys uh, at the first <laughs> wave and they call back like, oh, we, we're going to need more guys. Should we, should we listen to it? Oh, fuck yes. All right. Here we go. Bring me everyone. What do you mean everyone? Everyone! <laughs> I remember thinking I really love this guy when I was a kid. I loved that reckless passion. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, they uh they sure do re- respond with everyone. Mm. Uh every cop in New York uh and their entire paddy wagon division, <laughs> all their SWAT teams. They're like they're they're down at the foot they're down at the bottom of the building and they're like, Oh, I thought you said his name was Muhammad. And they all start getting back in their squad cars and leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought this was a mosque. Oh, <laughs> oh man, bummer. Guess I'm gonna go watch. Guess I'm gonna go watch the ball game. Ugh. <laughs> uh, it's not a mosque. All oh, these people definitely have rights. Then shit. Well, 
<laughs> Did they fuck up a mosque? I don't even know. Is that a story? <laughs> I'm sure there are there are many of some harassment. I'm not saying I don't think they uh, rolled in with a million SWAT teams and gunned down dozens <laughs> of people, but <laughs> well, that was because they did 9/11, though. Yeah, all of them collectively yeah. as one unit, as one monolith of people. That's what I thought too. That's what I heard on the news that I love. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so. Um, tons more guys show up as you have already pointed out. Leon ends up killing a couple from outside with the, uh, from upside down. That's awesome. Fucking love it. I like so the bar good. up there too. It kind of helps him stabilize. And again, it's another little callback of he's been doing, you know, a million crunches throughout this movie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> now it's paying off. Strong yep. core. Yep. He does not have a, uh, uh, there's no weak spot in his, in his, uh, Physical uh, link, his chain, as it were, Matthew. His anterior chain. Well, Leon demands that they uh, let the girl go, or he'll blow one of the guys away, and he takes the man with him, whose friends end up wasting him because they kind of lose sight of him in the chaos, because that's when the smoke starts coming. They probably should have started with the smoke, though. Dude, fucking serious. Start with the smoke, maybe? I don't know. Start with the tear gas or something. But um, he tells Matilda to grab the axe. We know he's going to need that. And but yeah, he gets the he gets the water, the sprinklers going, everything going, all this chaos. He's makes chaos he's now yeah. creating concealment conditions, and um, these guys just cut loose in an apartment building. He shoots back. It's it's cool. That's just you know they're all they got ski masks on for a reason I don't know. <laughs> you know to look like movie bad guys. Look like bad guys. Yeah, you're right. I Dude, love, I when love him going apologizes for his to her. Go ahead. Wait, we just said I just, we just said totally opposite things. That's funny. <laughs> you know, talking over each other because like professionals. Um, but no, I love him actually being willing to put his life on the line for his plant. Like he he even says, "Stay away from the windows." And then he looks over and notices his plant is still right there in front of the windows. He's just like, "Fuck it, <laughs> I'm just gonna grab it." It's the only other thing I care about outside of Matilda, right? And her just having that meltdown where she just feels so bad, she feels responsible. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's a good scene. But this is another place where Matilda isn't like tumbling around and shooting guys like it would be done if it was made today. You know, it's exactly. like she's just cowering. This this bravado evaporates. She's a child, right? Right. And this, and this is an overwhelming situation that Leon can even barely handle. Mm. And um, yeah, it just, this progresses and it gets insane. Right. And, and I think uh, that that's another big thing too, as far as like their relationship goes and her reactions to this situation and him. You know, it's kind of like that that kid that it's like the kid seeing their parent get upset or cry for the first time of like, oh wow, this is getting to them. This is serious. <laughs> yeah. Like it's kind of that thing of like, you know, she's kind of always seen him just be totally in control and unflappable and he's the professional. That's his whole thing. He has a code, he has all these rules and and he's just all business all the time. And now we see him, you know, getting wounded, you know, being kind of out of he's control. And it's, he's going and, bananas. And str- yeah. Right. Struggling, yelling. And it's like, I think that's part of what gets to her too. She's like, this is scary for Leon. So fuck, sure. it's really scary for me. Yeah. She's like, how are we going to get out of here? He says, leave that to me. I like that. It's awesome. And uh, that's when he decides to start going for the wall. And we have um, that, you know, we see the beginnings of that. He's shooting these fire axes, the wall. Oh yeah, busts open this huge hole, and that's when she, you know, when he starts putting her in there, she's like, "It's it's barely big enough for me. You're never gonna fit." 
and I'm not going to let you go. And this is, dude, however you feel about all of this, is it's so fucking heart-wrenching. She is, it's, she's so fucking good here, man. She's awesome. Yep. And he just tries to reassure her that I'm in good shape. I'll, I will make it out of here. I've got a lot of money that Tony's holding. We'll make it out of here okay. There'll be a place for the two of us. Yep. And I, I love her instant instinct of a kid coming from a shit house and shit reassurances from shit parents. You're just telling me that so I won't be upset. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's brutal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You feel bad for her because of her life and what we've seen of it so far and how she has to say goodbye again. Exactly. And ah. um, I believe it's the last time he sees her. It is. It is the last time. Yep. He sends her on down and they fire a fucking <laughs> rocket propelled grenade into an apartment building because sure. they're lunatics. Sure. <laughs> Get the J damn. I guess this is what I guess this is what Stansfield's uh unit would look like though, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Bunch of lunatics. He just had, just has fucking dismounted mini guns from AC one thirties, just like, yeah, use that. You know, he was jaywalking. Yeah. Fuck it's it. Out, it's outrageous. And uh, this is where it's really cool because we, he, he, we, the audience get this moment of hope for Leon because of the, right, because of the fucking, like we seem <sighs> pulling the old Hannibal lecture. Right. And he's brilliant. It's like, what a fucking good move. And you because think he's you kind out of, of this. The way he sets it up when he sends her off, I think we're as tricked as she is into thinking, oh God, this is the moment he's going to go out in a blaze of glory, fighting all sure. these guys, guns shooting, and he's going to die. And like, he, and she, he is lying to her, and even she sees it. But no, like you really do get this false, false fake out of like, oh, he's going to lay low. He's going to pretend to be one of them. He's getting treatment. Holy shit, he's making it out of here. That's what I like about. That's one of the things I do like about this movie is that is the decision to give us false hope. It's a nice yeah. little switcheroo. And and especially for none of the soldiers, none of the, the SWAT team guys to realize it, it's just in Stansfield knowing what he looks like from having talked to Tony. Yeah, um, but they definitely know what their own units look like. Oh, for sure, yeah. But also him just looking over and knowing, like, that's him. Nobody mm-hmm. else quite realizes it. I love that moment. I love oh, the way so Gary Oldman plays that. Yeah, that he doesn't freak out. It's like one of the few times where he chooses the, the underhanded, subdued way, yeah. where he's like, oh. I'm not going to freak out in front of everybody. I'm just going to walk out in front of it, right behind you. Yep. So good. Yeah. Oh, so meanwhile, um, meanwhile, we see Stan run people out and we see Matilda exiting the building. And we are hopeful now at this point. There's only a few minutes left. <clears throat> and one thing I love about this moment is when she's outside walking away from the scene, <clears throat> It's a really good callback to the scene where she's walking towards Leon's door in the beginning. Yeah. And I would, and, honestly, I was thinking that about Leon walking towards the lighted door as well. Oh, interesting. Um, I was he, thinking that for, for her, it's like she now can maintain, she keeps it together. Right. Like she there's can growth maintain there. It. Right. Whereas before she couldn't. And arguably she's losing something that means more to her. And at least she thinks so. But yeah. maybe she's still hopeful. But I like the way she plays it off. It's another having to get away thing. But yeah, there's this, like you said, this walk to the door with Leon towards this light. And when, when uh, Stansfield slips in behind him. Uh, and the music following that, kind of, like, the kind of downward play of the music once Stansfield comes into, into frame. Um, but I also think, yeah, I think it is kind of a callback. Him walking toward this door is a callback to to Matilda walking toward his door of this being like a new 
chapter, a new opening up, like life is going to change from here. And I think he's walking towards this door genuinely believing, all right, I'm going to make it. And in and, and life, I will stop being a hitman. I can move on and, and help take care of Matilda and live a peaceful, happy life. And yep. that is just taken away. And I love the choice of having the shot be from his point of view, <clears> where you just too. see the, the muzzle flash of the light against the wall, and then the camera just topple down. Oh, so fucking sad. Yep, it's a good shot. Uh, Matilda gets away. Leon does not. <clears throat> He does not. And uh, this is a pretty awesome moment where, where Stansfield flips him over, stands over the top of him. <laughs> Stansfield, at your uh, service. So good. <laughs> Such a piece of shit. Leon is uh, fucked up, man. He is yeah. so fucked up. It's Don't leave me like this, Holmes. No. Oh. <laughs> And this, I just love this line too of this is from Matilda as yeah. he puts the fucking grenade pin in his hand. Ah, it's awesome. He just says shit, <laughs> blows up. <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. love it. Yep. And um, boom, he goes up, explosion, massive explosion. Yep. This leads to um, this leads to Tony running into uh, Matilda going to see Tony. Mm-hmm. And um, him giving her some uh, some some wisdom, some wisdom that you and I both said was pretty important. I think based on Indeed. what she's telling him, she wants to do, and she's like, "Oh no, this is, you know, this is what I want to do." And he's just like, "Hold on, let's have a listen." What the hell can you do? I can clean. I ain't got no work for a twelve-year-old kid. So get it out of your goddamn head. It's over. The game's over. Leon's dead. You hear me? Damn. Damn. Damn, player. <laughs> but um, we know that she's going to have some money, and she decides that after being told she's going to get her ass back to school, that she's going to go to the Spencer School. This very school that she stopped going to. Indeed. And uh, this is a good moment, too, because also I thought this was a good line. From the schoolmaster who says, take a chance and trust me. That's really hard, right? For people that come from these kinds of homes. And that is exactly what she needs to do in order to tell her the truth. Trust that I'm not going to judge you for it. Trust that I'm going to hear what you have to say. Trust that I'm not going to run to the authorities. Just tell me. And she does. And she gets to be there. I'm going to give you a chance to be welcome back here. Yep. And that's that's the most important thing she needed to hear, that you're welcome somewhere. Indeed. We're going to take you in. And you're getting a chance. And you're trying to engender trust and do the right thing for you. Oh, yeah. Well, there you have it. Love it, man. I love it. She I love this movie. The, she plants the tree, the, well, the plant. And names it Leon. Mm. Aw. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> and that's the movie, man. It's over. <laughs> that is it. Oh, fucking love it. I love it's this done. movie. Yep, it's awesome. So, <clears throat> I will read uh, Matthew's full email. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm thrilled that I snuck this pony into the wire, if for nothing else, to get a good everyone out of Dean. When asked what my favorite movies are, Leon always jumps to mind. It is a well-written story by Luc Besson, and the performances by La Bigri are all massive. Jean <laughs> Renault's title character exudes competency as the cleaner. 
while exposing such vulnerability through the rest of the film. Gary Oldman is the master. He plays Tansfield with an unhinged glee that creates a villain for the ages. And then there is Natalie fucking Portman, 12 years old in her debut, and she stands toe-to-toe there on this film. Her Matilda has a, a drive for revenge that will make John Wick proud. There is uh, much, much meat on the bone of this movie. I'm going to focus on how the actual version of US 20 minutes cut because America test sciences were uncomfortable with the relationship between me and Leon. Matilda's abused child who's enrolled in a cast at an age where she is supposed to be discovering the woman who she will become. And I've already read this part. But, um, yeah. The film works largely because Leon is an innocent when it comes to her misguided feelings. While in many ways he is as much of a confused child as she is, it is always clear to me that he had a moral compass that she knows until is 100% yuck. Yuck. Yep. There we go. The relationship's complex, well executed. I believe them and I care about what happens to them start to finish. That really is what it comes down to, isn't it? Do you care about the characters? Right. That's, that's a lot for your movie. Any, uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of different things in this movie, Matthew. It's been, it's been quite a discussion. I don't know about you, but I'm stimulated. And, um, <laughs> I'm reddened and swollen and stimulated. And, uh, I think I've said my piece with it. I don't think I have much more to say. I like this movie for sure. Um, I, uh, I, I, I like all the performances. They're good. I think Gary Oldman's pretty awesome. I know at the start of this, I was, thinking he was chewing the scenery a little bit, which he definitely is, but it doesn't really bother me as much now that I've talked through it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, what, what sells me completely on this movie is its performances. The, you know, the, the character dynamics are strange and, and complicated and wrong in some ways at times, but it is handled because of the performances in a, I, I think an interesting, complex, messy, somewhat realistic way for somebody being tossed into this situation and, and being the person who's not fully capable of handling it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the style chosen to, to portray it of that kind of heightened comic book reality, I think helps it as well. And it makes it the movie so fucking memorable. Um, yeah, I just, I watching it again for this. I was reminded that I just full blown love this movie. I think it's genuinely great. Awesome. It's a classic for a reason, man. <clears throat> All right. Well, that concludes another edition, Matthew, of the podcast. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, next week we're going to be talking about none other than Goodwill Hunting. Oh, boy. <clears throat> and guess what? Mm-hmm. That's the last bounty. Wow. Wow. Yep. What a final bounty. After Goodwill Hunting, it goes to a member vote winner, which I believe is Princess Mononoke as of the anime poll. Nice. And, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, we're, we're, we're running at the end of the bounty thing and we'll have some important announcements about what that means for the future of the podcast, of the podcast, but for you casual listeners who don't follow us on socials or interact with us. Um, we'll probably announce some of that stuff here soon on one of these upcoming shows about what we're going to do with the feeds in the future and blah, blah, blah. So that said, Matthew, um, I think we're done. Yes, sir. Thanks again to uh, Mr. Matt Lewis for bounding this. Thanks again for being one of the last people to bounty a film by LSU Media. Wow, that's crazy. Whoa. Whoa. Fuck. All right, man. We are going to hit the bricks. Matthew, have a good night.